welcome to episode 332 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, guys, welcome along to episode 332 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm good. <laughs> Live from Honolulu Airport. You might hear some airplanes back in the background, people walking past us looking at us quite strangely. Bit, bit of ambiance, bit of ambiance to show. This is, proper, this is the kind of first ever airport show we've done, isn't it? I know, I've done a few interviews with you from, air, from the airport, but I've never actually recorded a show. No, it feels quite special. I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by... Coffeesofhawaii.com Oh, coffee, can you, hear that? can you hear the background noise? Maybe you can, maybe you can't. Coffees of Hawaii is the world's best coffee. Athlinks.com Athlink. I don't think you need to speak louder. John's trying to speak louder because of that noise. Hopefully you don't hear that, but we'll, we should probably test that. But Athlinks, social networking for endurance athletes. And extreme endurance. Extreme endurance, that lactic buffer that makes you super fast, which I obviously didn't take when I did the Equathon run. Not enough, anyway. Not enough. I needed to, uh, next year. I'm, on, I'm definitely on the endurance, um, ex endurance. So, John, this week's show. What are we doing? We are going to be doing just a tiny bit of news. We haven't got a wi- Wi-Fi or anything where we are here, so we'll do a good news wrap when we actually get back home. And then we've basically got a series of uh, interviews that we did over in Kona, um, Training Peaks guys, Hilary Biscay, and then we did some random post-race stuff, didn't we? Cal. Oh, Coach Cal. Yeah, Coach Cal. Yeah. Got co- that was good, actually. He was really good, wasn't he? Um, so I got in touch with Cal because uh, I needed to get some help for um, Iron Man when we do our Epic Camp in Canada. And uh, and he was keen to come on the show, and I think we might get him back on. He was a very knowledgeable fella. He was very knowledgeable. I think you'll enjoy the interview with him. Basically, John and I went a week off. We're in the airport right now. We're going home. And it's uh, currently, what is it, Tuesday here in America time? Tuesday morning, 6, yeah, 6.30 so, in the morning. But you guys will be listening to this next week, so we just thought... We've got a lot of interviews. Let's get them up and have a week off next week. So it's yeah, our chance to get that happening. But anyway, first of all, we've got some news happening. And not really. We're just going to kind of talk about the things that have been happening over the last period of time. And news is proudly brought to you by slstry.com. So check that out. But first of all, Mount Tremblanc. Mont Tremblanc even. Is that how you say it, is it? I think so, Mont Tremblanc. Okay. Uh, it's going to be the North American Championship, John. What's the story? Well, it's... it's uh, Bevan and I, when we were over in Hawaii for race week, we were just getting pounded with press releases like every day from Iron Man. There was like an announcement every probably every half day. It was really weird because, like, you know, you, you do get emails, probably, I probably get two or three emails from Iron Man every week just with PR releases. But this week in particular, they really went OTT on it, which you kind of think, it's, it's the big week. If you've got big releases to announce, is this the week to do it? Because, yeah, ne- next week and the week after, it's there's not going to be any news whatsoever. The triathlon world's going to go quiet. So, anyway. But maybe um, they're trying to slip it under the radar, John. Exactly. But uh, Mont Blanc is the North American Championships. Whether that makes any difference to the race, I'm not I'm not sure that these things have got the got the appeal yet. I th- certainly for the pros, it may do, um, because there will be enhanced prize purse. There will be really good points. But for Joe Average... Um, don't know. Don't know if it's going to make any difference. Well, maybe you know, like if we look at Melbourne, mm. Melbourne was was I think it's going to be pretty successful next year and was sold out first year. But I think I think Melbourne will become an iconic race if they can stick at a race for a period of time. It will build towards it, surely. Who knows? Who knows? The problem I with the American race is the timing of the year. Yes. You know, like Melbourne drew a great field, mm-hmm. and there's nothing against the guys who race New York because we had a pretty good field in, in New York, but you didn't have that. 
oh, that's unfair to say because Rapster took it out and Mary Beth, but it, didn't, it wasn't a Melbourne field, let's put it that way, or a German field, was it? No. So they've got a bit of work to do. If they put on half a million prize money or something, the pros will come. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was one piece of news. The other piece of news that I found interesting, and uh, I'm, I'm talking too close to the mic, Bevan's telling me. I keep telling off. That, that Ironman Canada has got a new venue. Obviously, we all know about um, Challenge taking over Penticton, and Whistler is the new venue for Ironman Canada. And they're going to go head-to-head with the uh, same day, I think, as, as Challenge Penticton, which they said they were going to do. Um, they've got pretty reasonable prize money. But what really came out for me that I'm I'm not happy, Bevan. See, I'm, I'm going to fight you with this one. I'm going to guard up. Get yeah. ready to go. So they put up a hundred slots. Hundred um, slots, John. A hundred slots. What's all that about? It's it's. Uh, I totally understand it's business. I put it up on uh, on Facebook, and and people, most people, um, agreed that it was. Uh, it was business, but it was pretty poor form. So, I, why, I, why is it poor form? Well, no, I don't have a, I don't have a problem with them going for business. You know, going head to head, trying to outdo challenge. You know, make it the best event ever. Maybe pumping prize money into it. But there's no consistency with Kona slot allocation, and that's like the holy grail you're screwing with. And you're screwing with and the holy grail. That's what, what I want to see is some consistency. You say right, championship events, you've got 150 slots. All your, other, you know, if you're, all your other events, you maybe you maybe have three tiers. You have right. These are our 150 slot races. These are our 70 slot races. These are our 40 slot races. But at the moment, it's all over the show. You know, New Zealand's got 40. Um, got more this year. More 2014 when, yeah. I'm, when I'm coming back. That's right. That's your uh, <laughs> more, and then you've got some races with 80, and then you've got some with 150, and then boom, they just go. We're just going to chuck 100 out of there. So I totally get the the business side of it, and 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 wanting to make sure that they try to crush challenge, but. I would rather they did it with something other than Kona slots. And it was interesting, I can't remember who I was talking to, um, but apparently in America the, the, the athletes are much more location races rather than necessarily chasing the points, whereas Aussies and stuff, they're not chasing the points, chase the, the slots. Yeah. She, um, they were saying, was you know, even? I can't, no. Uh, so on. In, yeah, that, but, but they were yeah, really saying that if you're doing races in America, you want a family location where the family can kick back and have to have a, have a good time. Places like Lake Placid do really well, probably why um, Tahoe did really well. Um, and I would have thought Whistler would do well off that anyway. You know, it's got an iconic name and um, I'm looking forward to riding through there when we go on Epic Camp. So, yeah, I'm not, I just want to see some consistency across the board with these slots. It's, um, you know, people... People try uh, chasing slots. You know, the ones that are, they just bloody get confused because they don't know where to go. They've got to plan a year in advance, and they may have already planned this year, and then boom, they chuck out another hundred slots there. So um, but I'm, John, not, I'm not particularly happy about are, are it. Are we still in a world where you pay for slots as a race? Like I know in the past when we talked to Jane from I'm in New Zealand, she'd say, you, traditionally I'm in New Zealand had up to 80 spots, didn't they? You used to have a lot of spots, mm-hmm. and um, and. Jane kind of knew that that was the appeal of New Zealand bringing a lot of Australians over, so they used to pay, you used to have to pay. Now, I'm not sure under the new world that they live in what the system is there. Do they still pay for slots at races? Well, I'm almost convinced that they wouldn't, but I don't know that for a fact because basically WTC is running all these events now. You know, uh, all our Asia-Pacific races are owned and run by WTC in-house, um, whereas in the past the model they used was it was a franchise model. So Jane Patterson from Ironman New Zealand, she had her own New Zealand company and she owned the franchise to run that event and she would be paying Ironman X amount to have the licence and then X amount to have the number of slots 
prize money you know is down to the local race organisers they have a minimum standard they needed to meet um, and they could do more or less um, or they obviously could do a lot more to try to attract the pros um, but they had a minimum standard totally different now Ironman are bringing it all in house so I'd be very surprised if this is not a WTC call as opposed to a local organiser call. Well see to me John as much as I can understand your point I don't think there's anything wrong with the move because the thing is like it's like I, th I think we need challenge and I think we need challenge doing a great job in North America I think challenge is great for our sport and I want challenge to succeed because I think it's better for us triathletes and not just because challenge you know Felix comes from that place of caring about the athletes but also just our sport needs competition but if I'm in a business and I've a competition comes along and I have a competitive advantage mm. I'd be a mug not to use it you would, but I wonder how much. Yeah, I, I, the, the the general feeling from the audience is when I put that post on Facebook is most of them think it's a really bad move, and that'll maybe alienate WTC more with the hardcore athletes. I oh, see. So yeah, yeah, but I just, well, I, I see what you're saying, but I think the thing is, is that they're not really trying to appeal to the hardcore athlete, are they? Well, what are, who are you trying to appeal for? If you're going for slots, that's the, the hardcore. Yeah, audience okay. So, is, so if you're a hardcore athlete and you want to do Kona. Mm -hmm. Would you go to Whistler now? Oh yeah, you would. I in total. So, so, so this is a good move. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm. I'm saying that that it is a good short term move. I'm just not happy about it, Bevan. I know you're not happy, and I can I'm understand why you're not happy. But if I was a businessman making a business decision, that would be the move I'd make. Mm. You know, like because it's just like it's. it's yeah, I don't know. I just kind of think. I understand your point too, yeah. but I'm still not happy about yeah, it. Yeah, I can understand <laughs> being not happy, John. Don't worry, we'll have a hug. Let's have a hug. Let's have a hug. Let's, let's kiss and make up. But yeah, so um, it'll be interesting to see. I, I, it was interesting. It was interesting. What I found really interesting about it, talking to people who know the area well, and and you, we seem to get two different types of opinion. There are the people who are going, "Oh, oh my God, we're just at Penticton, you know, because it's such a beautiful race, and, and that race will do well anyway." And then you have people who said, you know, and Whistler is a horrible place to have a race. You heard a bit of that, but then mm. other people said, "Oh, Whistler would be an amazing place to have a race." Mm. So there seems to be mixed feelings about their choice of location. Uh, it's an Ironman, or probably sell out. Probably, yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay. So, so, so maybe that's the thing. Did they even need to have the hundred slots? Because it probably would have sold out anyway. But totally. who knows? I just don't know where the hell all these slots are coming from. I was just John. One thing I was wondering when we were in Kona, and you know, one thing that we hear about. So they had two thousand competitors on race day. They couldn't have any more than that, really, could they? No. No. I was just wondering about. Don't worry. I'm, don't worry. I'm just. They're ranting. We, yeah, we have on, on the news list here, John. You haven't got our K-Swiss slash fuel belt party oh, wrap-up. No, I have. I have. But that should be in the news section, not in the <laughs> afterthought. <laughs> should be. The other thing that's happening over the weekend, and this will be uh, after the fact, is the ITU Worlds are being held in Auckland, so you want to be checking that out on triathlon.org. Okay, John, Douglas, they know the results. Who yep. are you picking? Um, oh, I've struggled to go past Gomez. Um, what about so Brownlee? you got um, Jonathan Brownlee, um, but on this type of course, Gomez has proved he's now the, he's a fantastic all-round athlete. Not that Jonathan Brownlee isn't, but I have a feeling that those two are fairly close, and I think Brownlee might just have the legs on that type of a course where it's just going to be, it's going to be a, it's going to be brilliant racing. This is going to be one of the best races we see in a long, long time on the circuit because there's so many hills and so many twists and turns on that bike course. Uh, it should be fantastic. We should see multiple groups and uh, and guys really attacking and, and having the potential to get a big lead off the bike. So yeah, I'd pick um, Gomez over Brownlee and then uh, 
either Bevan Doherty or Chris Gemmell for third. You're really pulling that one out. I am. Yep. Yep. No, I think that's not just a Kiwi biased. Yeah. No, I think that um, one of them will, will come up with the goods because uh, they both raced on there. They crushed it last year. Granted, it was just a World Cup field, not a World Champ Series field. Both of them are incredibly good on the bike, and uh, they'll both of them. It's basically signing off from um, ITU racing, so I think they will have high levels of motivation. Girls side of things. Um, wouldn't be surprised to see Andrea win it as well. She's she's she won You're on it last Kiwi, year. You're just Kiwi, mate. That's yeah. it. <laughs> Go but for it. She had a, she's had she's had a pretty ordinary season by her standards. So I'm picking she's she's going to nail it. Okay. Well, well, people know now. So you it, mm. hopefully got your picks right. Okay. What else we got him news? Uh, Loving the Kona shows. Here's the info you get. Another. Uh, we might have sick. We haven't got Wi-Fi here. But how how Dolphin was just saying, there's another another race in the UK another iron distance race we'll maybe report on that next week where we can tell you a bit more about it do you want to do it well, I think we should do a, case, a party wrap up now case was party okay. case was, we've got to, we've got to case get fuel, fuel belt, belt. Yeah. yes fuel belt as well we're new from fuel belt yep he, was, he supported the party as well and we've got he to did. give those guys lots of love as well so if you love with fuel belt get your fuel belt out John tell us about the night come on let's just, who cares about triathlon they want to hear about the party news we made the dance floor we, we, we were rocking it the dance floor but it wasn't quite to the same extreme as previous. Ex- well, John didn't go in years. all in. That was the problem. Yeah. We, we, we went to the awards dinner and stock standard kind of awards dinner. What I want to know, and, and maybe some of you listeners could let us know, um, what, what happens at the supporters or the supporters? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm sure Kate Driscoll was, was there. She'll be able to let us know. Yeah, Kate, let us know because I want to know what happens at the supporters dinner the night after the awards dinner. So it's just an afterthought. But uh, you went to the awards dinner. There was good good times. Hang out for Albert, Albert and Kate. We saw Admiral Rosie there. Yeah. And uh, so that was all good. And then we went to the Case with Slash Fuel Belt Party and it's pretty rocking. Well, we kind of mingled for a while, talked to a few people. Yeah. Everyone seemed in fine form. They did. What, John, I was shocked and dismayed. Shocked and dismayed. Don't like to see that. Because we sure there was free alcohol and there was and, yeah. and it didn't seem to run out, which is very good as well. But they had this kind of like a pyramid of tables of food. Yeah. And mint food. Yeah. And John at a triathlon party, how often does this food last? Exactly. Two minutes. At this party, it lasted all night. And nobody literally nobody was touching it. I was it I, I was going to the toilet and I, taking it away. Yeah. I was shocked and dismayed. <laughs> shocked and dismayed. So that we needed the, the the simple issue was we needed DJ BJ in the house. John wasn't happy with the music, were you? It was um, it wasn't boogie music, and that's why we weren't. We got up there at the end, but um, they played that Gangnam song. Gangnam Style. Yeah, they played, they played that song about so twenty was, times. <laughs> so it was it was good. It was cool music, but it wasn't really dance music. I said to Bevan, as soon as they bring out YMCA, we're up there. Yeah, and John, John, yeah, <laughs> and then eventually because we we had uh, Marky P, Mark Pitchfisser, the Curly Freight Train, the Boy Senator, Albert, yeah. and uh, who else was with us? Uh, we had uh, Brie, Brie from um, Manolani. She was jiving it a bit. She was Brie and I were rocking on the dance floor. Yeah. It was good times, and uh, so we ripped it up pretty hard. And then uh, the party finished about two, and then another party we went to, but we were tired. We were John. It was yeah, the, yeah. We're amateur party boys, aren't yeah. we? Yeah. So John didn't get that drunk. I was a bit disappointed. I was, trying, <laughs> I was trying to get him drunk, and so he go, "Do you want to be a mate?" I came back with two I, for him. I was very nearly in deep trouble at the awards dinner. I was like. Spinning and uh, oh, yeah. but but then uh, the speech the speeches saved me. <laughs> the speeches were quite long this the year. Spe- we had a, we had a sweepstake going on the speeches and um, we all lost. They were fairly long. But you know what? If I won the Ironman World Champs, you know I'm allowed to speak as much as I want. You know, fair each enough. one was about twenty minutes. Yeah. Mm. Yep. I actually, Pete Jacobs was eighteen forty. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because we were timing it. I had six minutes on my 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 uh, my wager and 
to yeah, you're well out, mate. You're <laughs> well off. Well off. Okay, sponsor. Who are we going to talk about? So it's brought, uh, news is brought to you by SLS Try. It was great to see a few athletes out there yeah. racing in uh, SLS Try coming out the boat as well, saying they got my SLS Try gear. Use my promo code. I am Talk and. Uh, and got in. Um, so if you do want to get yourself, uh, I'm sure they'll be having some good old clearance sales and stuff at the end of the season. If you want to get some some gear, go on to slstry.com, use the code IMTALK and uh, get yourself a nice juicy discount. Compression gear as well, seen plenty of guys in the old compression socks after the race, during the race. Um, I had mine on on the travel over as well and seriously. Where are they now John? I've got. <laughs> We're about to jump on the plane. I know. And you just alluded to me. I, there was one thing this morning I thought, Can't remember socks. your socks, remember your socks. And I left them in my other bag. Bugger. But I wore them on the way over. Don't you hate it when you do that? When you go, remember, remember, remember. And then you go, oh, I forgot. Mm. Don't you hate that? I had zero cankles on the, um, when I went over. Zero cankles? Zero cankles, thanks wow. to the socks. Did you measure before and afterwards? I did, yeah. Wow, not yeah. even like an inch. With a laser. With a measure with a laser. <laughs> oh, really? That's wow. close it was. So get your gear. I wonder why you had a laser. Get your gear at slstry.com. Use the code IMTALK. Okay, so what we're going to do right now is we're just going to kind of put a, a combination of the interviews. We've got a few age group guys. we got um, Liam from Ireland. Oh, yep. The Irish. Yeah. He was good for a laugh. Um, and we, we saw a few of the Irish people at the party as well. Um, and then we've got just a few interviews that we've got from over the last period of time. So first, we'll, first up, we'll do training peaks. I think we'll do training peaks in the middle. Okay. Okay. And then we'll do training peaks. You'll figure it out. We've got Hillary in there. We've got Cal in there. It's, it's all going to happen. We've got some age group listener interviews as well. When the training peaks one does um, roll around, they do have all their, uh, put it up on Facebook, they have got a lot of the data now up on oh, training awesome. peaks. So it's trainingpeaks.com slash Kona. Um, and I know Pete Jacobs was talking talking about it and his, his prize giving was talking about it. You know his power files and numbers, and, and they analysed it and said that's pretty standard. In terms of <laughs> he was like, "Well, I did win it." <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he 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 pushed really hard early in the bike, and that's what you see. That was one interesting thing. I was talking to Paul Amy at the um, the post race um, at Caseless party, Caseless fuel belt party. Yeah, and I was sort of saying, "Oh, what do you what do you think about um, some of the ITU boys coming over? You know, Bevan and and Gemmel and he's yeah, it's interesting, isn't it?" He said. Mate, those guys haven't got a hope. <laughs> ain't got a hope, mate. He, he, he was Australian, eh? Ain't got a hope, mate. He um, he was saying like the first forty k of Kona is basically like pretty similar to what the forty k ride is in an ITU race. He said it is just all in, full on. Really? Um, so that was interesting. But I've still got hope in one. John, I've got a question. Can we do this for a discussion of the week? My sure. question I came up with you yesterday. It up. Discussion of the week. Yeah. Okay. So the discussion of the week is. How do I do this? So, we, so you basically you can you can swim. Oh, that was a silly one. But let's get this roll with it. <laughs> <laughs> Just shoot you down. So the car going. Where, where's he going with this one? We, we, okay. You can start in the swim with the top pros. Yep. How long do you think you could last before you dropped? Mm-hmm. Okay, you can start in a bike, but you have done your swim. But you, let's say you, you've done your normal swim. And you so, come out with them. Yeah, and in theory they swam the same as you. Or they did an extra lap. <laughs> yeah, or they did an extra lap. <laughs> And they went on the ride. How long do you think you could stay with them? And you can go balls out to stay with them. Yeah. But you know, just how long do you think you could? And same, same with the marathon. So how far could you stay in the swim, bike, and run? But you have to have done the other events before it. So let's say you've you've done an hour swim, you've done a six-hour bike, but you start the run with them. How long do you think you could maintain the pace that they go? The guys mm-hmm. who are doing the top pain. How far do you think you could last in each three events? So to give you an idea, so we're talking, we're talking. Yeah, if you're a guy, obviously to, to the guys. If you're a girl, to the girls. So obviously for the, the marathon, you know they're running at um, about two forty two. Going out, going out. Four, they basically ran the race, averaging four minute k's. Um, but often they'll be going out a bit quicker than that. Yeah. Um, swim wise, they'll probably be opening up that first uh, 
first 100 metres and probably a 105, I would imagine. Well, then, I'm lasted 20 metres in. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine then settling into probably about 110s, I would have thought. Really? 110s, yeah. What do they do it in? Yeah, probably. Uh, in a wetsuit, maybe just a touch slower than that without wetsuits. But, um, probably, I'd say maybe one, maybe one fifteens. The, the person on the front will be sitting one fifteen. Sitting on the pack will be a bit easier than that. But I'd say it'd be a bit around about that pace. And the bike, ballpark at forty k an hour, roundabout. It's a forty k an hour. I'm pretty sure it's a four and a half hour bike split. And Pete Jacobs, I think, forty four uh, forty six. I think it was. No, no, it wasn't four forty six. He would have been four thirty six. Oh no, like sorry, thirty six. Yeah, no, yeah, you are so right. Yeah, yeah. Ballpark at forty k an hour on uh, undulating terrain. Pretty smooth roads though. So yeah, give us your give us your estimates. Yeah, so there you go. Where will you go in each? Mm. Well, we could maybe have the winner. And um, amongst our listeners, yeah, the person yeah. who wins, although people maybe over predict. Okay, so let's get these interviews and let's get everything on. So we'll see you guys at the end of the show. Record Friday race week race day. Race. Are you feeling nervous about tomorrow? I'm, I'm, I'm excited. You're looking, you're, I just can't hide it, you're Bevan. Nervous man. <laughs> it's okay. You'll make it. Friday, and we never we don't have really. Um, we've got a few pro athletes on today's show, and we held over from yesterday. But most athletes are it's out there. Sort of. They don't want to talk to us anymore. Talk to us. <laughs> no. We've got Cal Zariski, who's Coach Cal from uh, Calgary, Canada. Coach athlete Cal from Rice Calgary. Rich. It works quite well, doesn't it? It works great, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so welcome along to the show, Cal. Thank you very much. Hey, um, you just you said to us before you came here. You know, you um, you've just been at the the medical conference, um, and we know you're a coach first and foremost. But you've had a pretty impressive athletic career at hmm. Xterra and ITU distance, um, long distance. But but tell us what what goes on at the, the medical conference and how long does it go for and what sort of things got discussed this year. Yeah, the medical conference is amazing. It's it's where we bring in. Um, some of the top sport med docs and uh, do a series of lectures, different topics like really hardcore medical stuff for treatment and assessment. But also there's a, a lot of the topics are about um, like salt regulation and glucose absorption and some of the things that are really, really pertinent for coaches or athletes to really take that information in. And it's based on a lot of the research that's going uh, on in, in the field. So brand new 2011, 2012 updates as to what's happening. And uh, as I said, the topics are amazing. It pretty much encompasses the whole performance-based sport medicine, health, wellness, and treatment of athletes that are going to go through this uh, this event on Saturday. So it's, it's a great topic. You know, like if you look at our sport, it's, it's mm-hmm. still such a baby sport. And, you know, if we look at the early days, you know, we had Scott Molina on Legends, uh, Legends Show not long ago, and, you know, he didn't really know what he was doing. And, yeah. you know, in this short period of time, we've learned so much. In the evolution of our sport, where do you think we're at with regards to the medical side of it? Yeah, we're, um, I think we're catching up. Incidentally, it's funny that you mentioned that because Chris Lee came and did a talk for all the docs and he was giving the viewpoints and the insight what an athlete is going through. And, and not only that, just the, the psychological strength of these athletes to push their physiology to the utmost limits. Mm-hmm. He talked about a few incidences where he was in Korea where he's literally, he was 400 meters from the finish and he's passed out. Like the next thing you know, he thinks he's going to win almost with his hands up in the air. And the next thing you know, he finds himself the next day in the hospital going, what just happened? You know, and I think us as as medical professionals, we need to understand that strength that the human body can push themselves through. And so I think we've come a long ways, but usually the athletes have the intuition and even coaches have the intuitions to drive the medical research. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, but this is what I'm feeling. And they're like, well, that doesn't make sense based on our current body of research. Yeah. But then eventually we figure out ways to either test that or, or explore that. And we realize, hey, damn it, they were right. 
you know, that doesn't make sense, but this is now what we're finding. So I think most often the athletes are certainly the ones that know best, but we're trying to maybe um, put it in some sort of research paper or, or experiment that says definitely conclusive, this is what's happening now. And I think, again, on the, the idea of salt, for instance, in the, in the past, we used to think, no, we don't need additional supplement sodium. Um, we're finding that it's unique amongst everybody. But in a case like on Saturday, in extreme environmental stress, I think the majority of people should be supplementing with salt. There's just so much evidence now that really relates that to best performances, if mm-hmm. you want to call it mm-hmm. that. Yeah, There's so much confused. Like we're, we're confusing the hell out of people on the podcast fairly regularly, not not just well, trying. We, well, especially for nutrition stuff. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. there's, there's you know, so many mixed messages, isn't there? The latest there one we've seen, um, you know, Tim Noakes, and I don't know how current this is. You know, really pushing the paleo side of things. And you know, when he did his law of running, he said carbo load, carbo load, maximize that. We've had. Um, Who's the Dutch Dutch guy? Um, oh, yeah, uh, what No, no, no. And he and he really said, you know, when he did a research here, there was a d- direct correlation between how much you take in and how fast you go, and it was it was a, it was a very strong correlation. Mm-hmm. Then we're getting people, you know, um, Tim Noakes saying, you know, Paul Newby Fraser did this race using, you know, jerky and things like that. Yeah. Um, what, what, what was was nutrition discussed much in terms of you know your, your carbohydrate requirements and whether the, there will be a shift away from that and looking at you know slightly different sources? Yeah, n- n- not really. I think they've really actually tried to support. Uh, first of all, keep it simple. I yeah. think that's the key: is keep keep your nutrition and your race uh, plans simple. And then obviously problem solve as you go. And then the problem solving is from a medical sense is what are the symptoms? What are the signs and symptoms, the bloatiness, the, you know, all those sort of things. And we know that lately the um, uh, hypernutremia has been a big issue with notes and that sort of thing is over, over drinking and less uh, sodium. But for his standpoint, it's over drinking. So we, we do realize that. But we're also realizing, too, that if people over consume calories, it blocks the body's ability to absorb fluids. And so they think they need to pound back, say, 400 calories an hour, but now actually they're doing themselves a disservice by now inhibiting their ability to absorb fluids. And when you think of the two evils, you think, which is worse? Mm. Can you get out of a bonk? Probably you can get out of a bonk, but you can't get out of a state where you're extremely dehydrated. Mm. And then to absorb a lot of the fluids that you're ingesting, you need sodium. And you're right. And I think it's hard in the research bodies is to figure out um, everybody's a little different. And so I think individual testing would be perfect. And I know that the Gatorade Institute, Sport Institute, they do do a lot of that. But not every athlete can go there and actually get their sweat rate figured out and their Mm. sodium loss and that sort of thing. So, but research is we're trying to, you know, get a general consensus, you know, using a number of people, 20 to 50 people. And sort of give general guidelines that are based on science. But you're right, there are circumstances like Paula Newby Fraser where she was able to go sub nine hours on something that we think that's just radical. Yeah. You know, you just go, and that, that does happen out there, but she also is a finely, finely tuned athlete. Machine, yeah. And it's a machine, exactly. It's like I can process anything, just mm. give it to me, and I'm just gonna keep things rolling, right? But that's not everyone out there, and we're just trying to make it healthy um this lifestyle of being an ironman athlete how can we we do it in a healthy fashion yeah. so, so for, like because you know like you're an intelligent dude who spends a lot of time thinking about this stuff you know yeah. for the majority of the athletes out there they're going i don't know you know like we're getting one message one week another message the next week yeah what would be your advice for you know the listener of the show right now who's kind of maybe new to ironman well, no, not necessarily new but somebody who's, mm-hmm. who's yeah, going just, through yeah gastric distress and they just can't bloody figure it out yeah yeah i mean 
certainly you have to try things in training. We know that. But the problem with that, too, is that you, you don't have the race anxiety. Race anxiety is the wild card. Like, yeah. how well do you respond to the anxiety of this particular race? That's tricky. Um, you often can't simulate the conditions that are here. So it's, you know, it's difficult. But basically, I think we do have certain ranges at which people, in terms of um, sugar levels or, or um, their carbohydrate intake, I think you have to explore those ranges. And then knowing a little bit or having a resource that says, look, if the temperature out there is lower, you can probably absorb more sugar just based on the environmental stress and the blood flow to the gut. So I think being educated is, is really, I think, how to answer that. As an athlete, you really need to be educated about all these different sort of parameters out there. How hot, how humid, okay, what's the pace going to be like, what are you trying to do, how fit are you? Because the fitter you are, the more glycogen you carry in the muscle cell and the liver and that sort of thing. So it's, it's really important to really assess the state and, and, and also pertain your goals to that. Here, we can assume at the World Championships, everyone's fit. Mm. Everyone's dialed in. But you certainly need to keep your pace under control, the concentration, and, and also how quickly you ingest carbohydrates. If you put too much carbohydrates in you or combine something like a gel and then a sport drink together, we know for sure that's a recipe for disaster. It's too concentrated. So we're, we're learning all these sort of things. And, and most triathletes now are sort of getting a handle of that, for sure. Just mm -hmm. there's so much information, like mm -hmm. you said. Mm -hmm on the internet mm. and I think that's where we have to kind of make it simple no, no, with the medical field like there's, mm -hmm. there's only so much attention that the sport can grab you know what I mean like it's, it's not a big sport I'm sure it's very interesting for a niche market within your field how do you guys determine what you want to put your energy on in, in the evolution of what you're doing yeah, well, I mean, you have a lot of divisions within the medical side. You have the performance medical side. But basically, they're, what they want to do is, is prevent um, and, and treat any like ill health that's caused by ultra-endurance racing. You know, and, the, and really, we, don't, we still don't know really with this lifestyle, people that do this continuously or doing two or three Ironmans a year, like what are the contraindications long-term? Mm. Like, I mean, you could look at Scott Tinley, who probably has done a lot of these Ironmans and actually in one year I believe that he did three or four Ironmans and um, you know what is his, his health like that sort of thing you have to look back on our founders and see you know where are they at mm. but also we're seeing an evolution in um, age groupers like when have we seen these age groupers go as fast as they have like yeah. the top age groupers would have won Ironman Hawaii 10 years ago almost mm -hmm. and it's amazing to see how they're progressing and their ability to sort of you know handle this type of stress which is again going this hard this long ingesting this type of fuel for that long and then your gut gets shut down and like in Chris Lee's situation he lost one third of his large intestine really? yeah huh. ischemia so you know in that case he was able to push himself to that point and he was actually getting sick uh, at the front end of the bike that early into the race he was able to keep going and he was in the top he actually said at one point he came off the bike in first so now he had the pressure of saying, look, I thought I was going to drop out because I don't feel well, but now I have to keep going kind of thing. And yeah. he was able to get to almost the finish line in that condition. But those were the consequences. And I think the medical field, we really need to educate people that, you know what, you got to watch your health. Like, I mean, we're in, in an extreme sport. We got to remember that. It's an mm. extreme sport, especially here in, in Kona. And we have to really be clear about here's the risks. These are the risks. And you can't just show up to an Ironman unfit. No. You just can't do that. But look, you look, you look at Gridon right now, that whole discussion around American head, football. Well, American football. Uh, around, uh, he's Canadian, he'll know. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the head trauma stuff. And, you know, is this actually, are we 
damaging people and is, is, a, is morally wrong to actually put kids and, and adults into a sport where mm-hmm. you know potentially you're shortening your life in a big way and you know like in, in our sport you know people are putting themselves it seems like what you're saying is that there is a level of risk that comes with doing this sport yeah. but then there's also this ego in the sport that I never give up so where's that line mm-hmm. you know and how do we educate people actually this is you need to give up because it's healthy you, you know it's yeah. stupid to keep going yeah, no, it, and that's a good point. Where is the line? Well, yeah. for health and wellness sort of thing, I mean, someone that exercises 8 to 10 to 12 hours a, uh, a week is probably plenty for yeah. wellness side, yeah. right? We're extreme, yeah. Ironman athletes. And, you know, there are risks even when you go out on your bike. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It's a risky lifestyle. And, um, you know, the youth coming up, and then you hear all these uh, articles or explanations about some of the best runners in the world from Ethiopia and Kenya where they were 12 years old and running 100 to yeah. 120 kilometers a week. And that's what it takes. That's what it takes, yeah. yeah, exactly. But, I mean, different environment, of course. But, I mean, we see that uh, drive for performance. We see that drive for breaking world records or, or even making a living on this sport. And, and that's exactly right. It pushes us to the point where we either break. And there are a handful of people out there that can accommodate that. It's the classic sport model for the Olympics. It's this: there are a small number of people out there that can do the work and stay healthy and then prevail. They mm-hmm. win, mm-hmm. right? A lot of people try to do the same amount of work, but they can't stay healthy. And that's, that's the difference. How healthy can you stay? And that could be structural. Obviously, injury plays a big role. But even just uh, fatigue, chronic fatigue, and just generally how the body feels. Like mm. you get ill you get ill health from that much training. And then obviously, obviously the top athletes can figure out how much is too much. But usually they have to step over that line slightly mm. to understand, okay, that was too much. And then either learn for the next season or potentially the next month. It's, it's yeah. interesting. This comment we've been getting a lot from pros and non-pros this week, as we do our, our interviews, is that you know mm-hmm. the experienced person has gone too far and have figured out that actually to perform well, it's about pulling back, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it, it totally is. And, oh, and, and obviously the far is quite yeah. Far, but. And and also I see a lot of athletes, age group athletes, that have that desire to get to Kona. They think more is better, mm. and sometimes it's not. It just needs your body needs time to be able to even do the same amount of training volume the next year just to be able to accommodate and absorb that volume you know so more isn't always better mm-hmm. and that's the thing it takes time for an athlete to be a finely tuned Ironman person mm-hmm. it does it doesn't happen over a year or two years we all know that right mm-hmm. you know Mark Allen took how many tries at this I mean everyone has kind of chipped away at being this finely tuned Ironman athlete it doesn't happen overnight mm-hmm. So criticalspeed.com. We're loving it because Cal walked in here and he's got his criticalspeed.com t-shirt. The icebreaker. Icebreaker New Zealand Exterior brand. Canada yeah. and icebreaker. And Scott McNabb will like it. He will. Yeah. yeah. Um, he was an Ironman over here last year. Yeah. Last year? Yeah, yeah, yeah great race. Yeah, yeah. yeah, last year. Um, tell us a bit about Critical Speed and also you're saying you're um, as a race director of Exterior Canada or you're working, working with those guys. Tell us a bit about what you do. Yeah, well, criticalspeed.com is one of the oldest uh, sort of um, coaching establishments in Calgary, it's in Canada, basically. And uh, it's just a multi-sport endurance group that I pretty much head up. And we swim, we bike, we run, we snowshoe, we do everything. It's a blast. It's a lifestyle sort of group. But I think just with my knowledge and just my experience as an athlete, I've been able to take those people who are committed and that really have that desire to reach their high level of performance, their genetic performance, um, 
to say Kona or World Championships. I have four athletes racing uh, on Saturday, and um, lots of World Champions and that sort of thing. So, me as an exercise physiologist, I really am keen about trying to get the most out of athletes. But as I said, keep them healthy because actually, an athlete can't race if they're not healthy. So that's what CriticalSpeed.com is. Yeah, it's in Calgary based, and I do a little online stuff, but mostly in Calgary. As a coach. What, what do you see as your responsibility? You know, like John and I were talking about this the other day, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, our sport damages people, not just physically, but yeah. m- relationships. You know, how many breakups do we see with oh, yeah. You know, like it's, it does, there's this unhealthy side to what we do. And John and I was saying, you know, like, we, you know, John as a coach doesn't want to, there's, there's cause divorces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it, yeah. you know, like, what do you see your responsibility as a coach for the person? Well, I think my style of coaching would be, it's, it's um, I understand what you want to do and I believe you can do it. The message would be it takes a lot of hard work, but here's also the risks. And I would actually mention that. It mm. takes this many hours, certainly from where you are now and where you want to go. Um, it could be this many years, which means, okay, so this many hours, this is the, I guess, the consequences are, is time. Mm. It's, you know, time away from job, time away from relationships, and onwards it goes. And people need to understand that. And then along the way, they can change their path. There's no doubt about it. But hard work you know that hard work is what these athletes need to put in and there are a lot of sacrifices um, anybody that's on the start line on Saturday everyone has a story yeah, yeah. everyone has a story yeah. of you know hardship or, or getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning and onwards it goes any Ironman does for that matter yeah. but you're right there are a lot of sacrifices in life to be here Mm-hmm. Awesome, it's great to have you on, Cal. Yeah. Thank Thanks you for giving up some yeah. time, and um, I'm going to hopefully be hooking up with you in a couple of years Absolutely. in Calgary we'll for camp. It's going to be awesome. Bring it on. That's yeah. not extreme. <laughs> no, that's soft stuff. We just hardly do anything every day. It's <laughs> uh, all good. Hey, thanks for your time, mate. <laughs> thanks, guys. Good friends of the show, the fellas from uh, Training Peaks here. We've got Look the fit too, aren't they? we've got the, the Freel connection. Joe and Dirk Friel, welcome back to the show, guys. Thanks. Uh, my dad looks a lot fitter than I do, so I need to catch up. I'm stoked. We've just we're recording this uh, Friday late afternoon, but about four four o'clock or so, and uh, race day is tomorrow. And Joe's just ridden in from Harvey. And we're stoked to hear that. Uh, it's windy as hell out there, and man, I think everybody wants a windy day out there for at least part of the course, uh, just excited up tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, the course has been a bit kind of easy over the last kind of five to six years, and so to get a good tough day, it could be... It's been pretty windy all week, so fingers crossed we're going to see some action out there. Um, there's some pretty exciting things happening tomorrow. This will be released on, or well, you guys will be listening to it on race day, and um, the guys at WTC are really looking to try to lift their game this year in terms of their coverage, and Training Peaks guys are going to be working in with them a bit more in terms of the, firstly, the, the race day coverage that you guys will be seeing, um, getting some more slightly more instant feedback on, on bike data, and then post-race we'll be able to look at some of the files in, in a bit more detail. So, so Dirk, can you maybe fill us in about, um, maybe just give us a bit of a summary on probably what people have already seen on the, on the race coverage, but they can they'll be able to go back and and look at some of the uh, the clips I've done on on race day, but then also explain what's happening sort of post race with what you guys are doing and, and how people can access the the information from some of those top pros. Yeah, definitely. We're posting uh, quite a few files online at trainingpeaks.com uh, slash Kona. Um, but also, if you follow follow the Training Peaks Twitter feed or Facebook, you know, there'll be links to it. But um, we'll be posting a, a good number, hopefully, you know, 10 or more athletes from the, from the pro field um, on our site with uh, the actual power data from hopefully three different power meter manufacturers, PowerTap, um, Quark and SRM. 
Um, so everybody's excited to try and pull this off. Um, and besides the post race, we actually hope to be feeding data to the live commentary. You know, I am live um, guys. And hope, so hopefully you've actually already seen it by the time um, you're listening to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's never been done before, you know, actually taking uh, head units off the bikes out of T2. And while uh, the pro field is running the marathon, you know, we're actually analyzing the data and getting it out on Twitter and to the commentators, you know, as they're running the marathon. And certainly the bike dictates, uh, you know, a lot on the on the run. Do you think uh, were any athletes resistant to that? You know, like because um, like uh, there's not really trade secrets because it's kind of post race, but or, or is everyone kind of embracing sharing what they're doing out there? Well, so far we have a really long list of uh, athletes that are willing to do it. Yeah. Certainly, there's been a, um, some that have um, I wouldn't say resisted, but for whatever reason, you know, I don't blame them or anything. I'm not, you know, it, it, that's okay. Like yeah. if it's just a, a mental thing that's going to mess with your your day, then you know, I don't, I don't need it, you know, um, certainly it'd be great to have everybody's data, but, um, I can understand if you don't want to share your data from your, from your race and, you know, that's understood, but it's certainly more and more, you know, in the pro cycling realm, you know, we're getting a lot of great data right after the stage finishes in the Tour de France, you know, big names like Chris Froome and the Volta got second in the, in the, the Volta de España in 2011. And we were posting a lot of his days, like same day. Um, so Team Sky released, you know, a lot of great stuff. So um, we're not getting Wiggins data, but you know, um, it's 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 more and more transparent. What 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 do you, what do you, have you I don't know if you've looked at a lot of the pro data from here in the past, but what have uh, Joe maybe or either of you guys what what have you sort of seen in terms of the pro data? Like we know that typically it's it's really fast that that first. 30 to 40k are you seeing these guys riding at threshold during that period anaerobic threshold and and what are you sort of seeing as the ride progresses of the files you've seen yeah they're definitely going out fast there's um and and there's a reason for that especially in the pro race in the pro race um they have to maintain a gap which is rather significant it seems like on the surface and yet it's something like 10 meters behind the, the front wheel of the bike in front of you but essentially, if you get a bunch of bikes going down the road together with media vehicles and, and uh, uh, officials' vehicles and motorcycles around them, even if those are spaced also, there's just a lot of air, a little wind moving down the road together. If you're in with that air that's moving down the road, it makes it somewhat easier for you to go fast. If you aren't with that group, if you're back somewhat farther and don't have that, that, that benefit of vehicles and motorcycles and all that stuff around you then it really you're working harder to go the same speed mm-hmm. so there's a real advantage to being to being toward the front so everybody takes advantage of that by going out hard <clears throat> so you can get to the front early now the other piece of that is there's this old saying in, in bike racing out of sight out of mind if you can get away even if you're in a group of four or five you can get away from the other riders and they can't see you out of sight out of mind mm-hmm. Uh, they're less likely to come after you if they can't see you. If they can see you, there's a carrot in the stick out there, and they're, they're likely to come after you. So going out fast is a real advantage in the pro race. I would definitely not recommend that in the amateur race. It's a good way to blow up. But they're going to go out. You know, Typically, they're going to be riding average about 80% intensity factor based on their power meter data. Uh, the, fast, the, the first several riders in will be doing 80% of their FTP. And uh, but they're starting out at something more like 85, even 90 percent of FTP. They're way up there. They're working very, very, very hard 
at an effort they could not certainly could not maintain for 112 miles. They just couldn't do it. So what happens is over the course of the the bike uh, portion of the race is that they fade. They they uh, they begin to slow down as the race progresses, and you can see the power dropping over the course of the entire ride. But it always starts out fast. It's always the same pattern. Uh, again, not a good idea for the age groupers. What, what kind of wattage are those guys, you know, for the you know, Joe public listening? You know, they probably get a good understanding of what kind of wattage they can put out. And what kind of wattage are these our top riders and, and Ironman actually doing out there? Yeah, well, it really comes down to a lot to, to body size, you know, big guys. But if we're talking about people who are like 70 kg, they're riding, they're probably starting out somewhere in the neighborhood of 350 watts, in that neighborhood just holding on for a long time, 340, 350, even 360 watts going north toward Javi. And over the course of the race, it drops, and they may wind up finishing somewhere around 320 watts average or 330 watts average for the entire ride. So th those are pretty big numbers for for most of us. Uh, most of us are going to be riding at a number far smaller than that. But you know, the, the, the advantage is the shorter the time you're out there, the harder you can ride. So it's mm -hmm. kind of like the chicken and the egg. You know, if you can go fast, you can go fast. So if you're going if you're going to do it in four and a half hours, you can ride at a very high power output relative to your FTP. If you're going to be out for six hours, you just cannot afford to do that because you can't hold a very high percentage of your FTP. So consequently, it's you know it's the same old thing: the rich get richer and the poor get poor. If you <laughs> if you can if you can go real fast, you can go real fast. Do, do you see a lot of uh, you know in cycling? We always say, well, not always say, but you often see that the, the champion riders are often the ones that are best at riding zeros for a long, long period of time and, and minimizing their output when they can. Do you see a lot of zeros and stuff or, or, or very low wattage with those pros when they're in the packs and when they're trying to stay out of the draft zone and lots of surging and stuff in the power files? Uh, you're talking about in the Ironman race? Yeah, yeah. in the Ironman race. In the Ironman race, you won't really see any zeros. Uh, they're not going to be... They're. they're it's legalized drafting essentially. They're working in a real in a in a, in a cocoon that's moving down the road, a wind cocoon, if you will, that's moving down the road. But that wind cocoon is not perfect. They're not right on the wheel of the guy in front of them. Uh, there's a, still a you know a 10 meter gap or even more than that between riders. So they're they're still working at a fairly high intensity. It's just that uh, they're not working as hard as it would be if they didn't have the advantage of that wind cocoon moving down the road. So no, they're they're not going to be getting any zeros or any low numbers. It's all still going to be high numbers. Mm. It's just well within their their ability to put out watts. Yeah. I, you know, I think you analyzed Jordan Rapp's file from Ironman North America, yeah. Yeah, New yeah. York. Um, and I believe that was 4.3 watts per kilo is what he ended up averaging. And that was exactly, you know, 80% of his, of his threshold power. Exactly. So, uh, you know, these pros are doing north of four watts per kilo. So it's pretty easy for anybody to calculate that, at least on the male side, you know, mm -hmm. that is what the males are doing. I found it fascinating when you guys posted um, Matt Chabot's two Olympic distance files where he had his drafting race and non-drafting race, and they were pretty comparable in terms of the the toll that it took on his body you know lots of lots of zeros um in the drafting race but uh yeah it was it was very interesting to see yeah but different um what, what about where we're at with with training peaks at the moment you know have we got any new things we're going to be seeing coming out anytime soon um you know you, you, you we're seeing great progress all the time we love uh we love from a coaching perspective i found it 
you know, taking it on the last six months really useful in terms of uh, indexing everything and, and I get a lot better feedback from, from the athletes. So anything new happening? Yeah, certainly. We're, we're ever growing. We're hiring. If you've seen our blog posts lately, we're hiring 10 people. So uh, really looking forward to great things in the future. Um, you know, we're looking into some artificial intelligence type features, if you will, mm-hmm. that um, could actually have some great immediate feedback. Mm-hmm. So, you know, imagine uploading your, your data and, and, it, and it's feeding you back an email notification of you set a new top 10 best or, mm-hmm. hey, we suggest you might look at your threshold values because today's ride, actually, you pushed the envelope in, in, a, in a positive way. So some of this little more um, artificial intelligence, AI type um, feedback is really a, a large focus for us right now and look for some of that to hopefully debut around the first of the year. Is, is the gamification something you guys are looking into eventually? You know, like th- yeah. there does seem to be with the technology that's coming with, you know, great tools and that that there does seem to be a bit of the gamification of sport and the way we, we do it. Is that something you guys look to evolve into as well? Yeah, I mean, I think if, you know, if you work with a coach, you get this amazing, great feedback. The best way to train is with, you know, qualified, you know, experienced coach. Um, if you don't have a coach, then you might be missing out on some great feedback, positive, you know, here, here and there, negative, right? Um, but if, you know, the gamification really is like building that sense of this great, motivation you know I did something today um, I got um, some feedback from it I learned something I, I set a new top five best or whatever it might be and I'm progressing towards my goal so showing that progress towards goal um, yeah you can say that's gamification but it's just immediate feedback loop um, that gets you even amped up more for tomorrow you know um, so yeah, that's that's you can call it gamification. One one thing that you guys seem to be really really good at because you know a lot of the tools that you guys got, you guys got such an amazing tool. You know, training pictures itself is you can go as, as really hardcore, really geek out, but it's also a nice level of you know if you're a bit basic on it, you can kind of still get a lot of good feedback. But you also you seem to put a lot of priority on educating the user as well. Tell us a bit about how, how, why that's so important and how you do it. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I I tell people you know using training peaks is like. I mean, if you use Excel, what percentage of Excel spreadsheets do you use? And no one uses all of Excel features. Like, you just can't. You know, everybody uses Excel in their own unique way. And everybody uses training peaks, whether you're a coach or athlete, in their own unique way. There's the art of training, um, you know, as well as the science side of it as well. But, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's um, amazing how... It, again, everybody can use it so so uniquely, um, and it's getting easier and easier to use. You know, you might just have somebody that uses our mobile app, and they're just plugging in. You know, I ran three miles or ten k, and they see they might log in only on Sunday nights to see the chart light up. You know, and how many miles did I run this week or kilometers, whatever it may be. So you could have all the way from that basic level, but no matter what, the base level, our users are signed up for an event. You know, and you have that goal to do an event. It might be your first event, but you're signed up for an event. And that's the first motivator right there. And then, you know, you can start at the elementary level of just recording distance and, and time, um, all the way up to obviously geeked as geeked out yeah. as you want <laughs> with, with power and elevation and all the unique metrics that we bring from training stress score, variability index, efficiency factor all kinds of great stuff that you can grow within the system. 
Um, Joe, I was on uh, Amazon the other day and bought uh, Tyler Hamilton's book, which I'm looking forward to read. Um, and when I was there, it said, you spend another $7 and you get free shipping or something like that. And then I saw your, um, your, your power book pop up. And, and, I, and, and, up and I, so I've got a copy of that sitting there to read as well as Tyler Hamilton's book. You know, in terms of power resources for triathletes and uh, across the board, most people have usually gone to Hunter Allen's books and, and that's sort of been your, your go-to book to, to start your, your power education. Um, and, and he comes... You know, he's great with triathletes, but he's come from that cycling angle where you've probably come a bit more from the triathletes angle. Tell us a bit about your book and, and why you decided to come out with that and, and how it may be. I mean, it's a bit more, well, I haven't read it actually, but it's, it's, it's titled for triathletes versus hunters is more, you know, training to power and, and it's got a bit more, it's got a lot more emphasis on pure cycling. Yeah, but there's no doubt that uh, Hunter Allen and Andy Coggins' book is still the uh, um, the high-powered book, if you will. Mm. Um, it, it's if you try to give an analogy, I, I think the book I've written is more like a uh, an introduction to training with power. It's kind of like Power 101, mm. whereas Andy's and Hunter's book is kind of like a master's level using a power meter. Um, so there's there's a still a great book. I've got absolutely nothing. There's, it's a it's a great book. It's just um, it's well beyond where most people are ready to start. I'm afraid. I agree. So I wanted to write, I wanted to write a book that was kind of an introductory book, so that people got a power meter, don't know anything about power, could read this and get started using their power meter. Maybe for the first year or so, that's all they use in my book. Then they once they kind of got it figured out, then they can graduate and go to their master's level program with uh, Hunter's and Andy's book, uh, which is still I think the the standard. Mm. You guys, you know, you, you, you probably got, uh, you're very close to the, the beat in terms of what's going on with different power meters and there's, there seems to be new ones coming out all over the show. I mean, where do you guys see the future? And I've been talking to guys saying that, you know, coming up soon, yeah, it's going to be, for, for top-end bikes, it's going to be standard that they'll just come with embedded sort of power meters in the cranks. And is, is that where you sort of see things going? Yeah, the bike manufacturers want to figure out someday how to get it spec on the bike. You know, a high-end bike should come with a power meter. They all tend to agree, but the price right now is a little far out of reach to tack that on to the top of a purchase of the bike, you know, all included. Um, we'll get there someday. Certainly, um, the Stages power meter that, that just debuted at Interbike mm. um, in September is a step in the right direction. You know, retails around $800. Mm. Um, it. You know, and hope you know that'll come out in January and hit the streets in January, um, and no doubt they have to keep coming down in price. So um, more and more of them will get out there. And as Joe alluded to on the age group amateur side of things, it's a much more advantageous tool to race with for for the age groupers than for the pros. The pros don't look at the power more yeah, or less. They've got great body awareness, haven't they? Yeah, they're. Yeah. They have a strategy for the day. They have to attack. They have to be with the group. They have to catch the group, whatever it may be. Age grouper, to go the fastest possible and still have a good run, you have that personal rabbit right there, that wattage, and you know what you need to peg, and it keeps you um, honest. You know, I, I rode 28 miles of the course yesterday, and there, there's actually so many of these, like, 90-second rollers, like, out to the airport, you know, and beyond. And, you know, I know what I need to try and maintain, but it's easy to go... 100 watts above that easily you know but the heart rate won't reflect that till you're actually done with the hill and going down the other side mm. so um yeah it, it's 
hopefully it keeps uh, coming down in price and some manufacturers start really specking it, you know, on the top end bikes. So, so give us the sales pitch, you know, like obviously we, we really totally believe in what you guys are doing, but, you know, like for someone who's listening right now, who's kind of, you know, going, oh, you know, I'm not using training peaks. Why would I use it? You know, what would, you know, give me that elevated speech that, you know, that why would someone actually make the jump? Yeah, if you can't record it, you can't measure it, you can't improve it. You know, that's more or less at the end of the day what we're about. Um, you may not have the skills and capabilities to actually analyze your power file, heart rate file, whatever, but if it's recorded and stored, then down the road, get a consultation with a coach that could look at your last six months worth of data and they can improve your mm. fitness tremendously by just spotting the trends. Um, so, you know, recording it, um, you know, then you, you have your annual review, you know, what kind of miles did I do this month last year? Was that good or bad? Did what, did I overtrain and I was cooked by May and my goal race was June? You know, what went right? What went wrong? You want to replicate what worked and try not to replicate what went wrong. So, um, having it recorded helps you predict the future more precisely and that's what you're trying to repeat over and over and over and fine tune your training any chance you guys are going to have any uh, age group files up after the race any, any? We're, de- we're definitely trying I think yeah. we have a tweet out there um, probably a couple weeks ago I think we reached yeah. out and I know I think they're starting to flow in we did last year yeah certainly we had some age group um, data posted last year um, so yeah we that's definitely a goal of ours to, is to post some age groupers. Joe, Joe, when you look at the age group files, is, is that really fascinating as well? Because obviously there's some pretty common mistakes I'd make and does that come across, you know, you talk about the pros, how they can sit in close to, you know, FTP of 80 to 85% for the average for the ride and, and you know, they're, they're shorter and the rest of it. What are the things you see for an age grouper in Kona on their files when you look at their power files? Now, there's an interesting case. Somebody sent me an email, I think it was two years ago after Ironman Hawaii. He wanted to know why he had such a bad race. He uh, had a great bike split, but he wound up walking the marathon. Uh, what's the matter? Must be, am I a bad runner? What's the problem? And it really wasn't. I, I looked at his power. He happened to have a power meter on, which is unusual. A couple of years ago, he sent me his power file. I looked at it. And there's a, a, a metric we look at that's called variability index. It tells you essentially how much how much surging you were doing, how many peaks and valleys, or how much peaking and valleying you were doing as you rode across the entire race. We don't like to see much in the way of peaks and valleys in an Ironman race. It's got to be fairly steady. If it's not fairly steady, then you know what I'm looking for in numbers-wise is a number of 1.05 or less. That's that in, in, in this thing we talk about called variability index is exactly what I'm looking for, 1.5 or less for the, the riders when, they're, when, when he's, he or she is done. What this rider had was 1.25. 1.25. That's pretty high. I haven't seen gi- a score that high. Gigantic. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like we would see in a criterium race, you know, a one-hour criterium race for cyclists, cyclists, you know, going around a one-mile course in a, in a loop where they keep sprinting out of corners. We'd see about 1.25. This guy did a mar- an entire 112 miles with a 1.25, which means, means he was surging and coasting, surging and coasting, surging and coasting the entire race. 
and he just blew himself up. Every time you surge, you waste or you use a tremendous amount more energy than if you simply rode at the same at an average pace that got you through the same amount of power. Surges are much more costly. So uh, he was wasting energy. He had nothing left by the time he got to the run. It's obvious why he had a bad run. It was because he had a poor bike, actually. He thought it was a great bike. It was a terrible bike. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, we love having you guys on. And um, so remember, guys, if you want to check out uh, the files post-race, it'll be trainingpeaks.com slash Kona. Um, and we'll, have, we'll, we'll do some stuff up on Facebook as well, just sharing those links. But thanks for coming on the show. And, Joe, you've got your, your blog as well. I go on there from time to time. So, um, um, Joe Friel, does it just JoeFriel'sBlog.com? He's always got some. Uh, I saw on there some stuff on the aging athlete and uh, various different topics all the time. So, and, and they usually stem from questions you get from from um, people just popping you emails. So it's good stuff. So thanks, guys, and Training Peaks always supporting the show. We love it. If you're not on it, team, get on it. That's the message. There we go. TrainingPeaks.com, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Brilliant. Sponsor John, Extreme Endurance. Get the Extreme Endurance, John. Now, last this year, last year I was the champion of the Equathon. Yes. And and I and I ripped it up. And I kind of I, I feel like I dominated it last year. Mm-hmm. This year I was weak. And I think I haven't been on the Extreme Endurance of late, but I have had a few doses during the year when I've been doing particular races. And so I think that residual extreme endurance in my think, system uh, you, you, what, you had something John it was either that or blood doping <laughs> and, and uh, I'm hoping it's not the second yeah. that's what I'm saying I know you wanted to win but you know it's just, some people go to extreme levels and we made a bunch of Oh, they were going to struggle from here. We had, we had to edit because John said something that was slightly <laughs> slightly <laughs> inappropriate <laughs> Oh dear. We met, we met plenty of the athletes at uh, the Caseless Party anyway. Um, but hopefully by the time, well some stage this week after the show, I'm going to have all our auctions up. And uh, as part of those auctions, there'll be several little packets of the Extreme Endurance um, travel packs. And they are bloody handy. If you go yeah. away, it's just one less thing to pack. You just have a few of them on. And it's got like a week's worth, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's 40, 48 tablets, I think, is in there. Yeah. Um, so next time you're doing your order, just chuck a couple of them on top, and they can be little little travel packs. And as I said, we're going to have a bunch of auctions going sometime in the next week. And we're going to have we're going to have all these auctions up, and I have a lot of stuff to auction. Oh, man. <laughs> we, we got a good good gear for the auction this year, haven't we? We did. Um, and in every auction I do, we're going to have a couple of the Extreme Endurance travel packs. So it's just lots. I've got when we register as media, we get given an Ironman bike bag yep. like all the uh, like all the athletes, and um, and I've got a bag that is completely chocker full oh, of stuff. It's got like Plus, Essex shoes. It's got bag. He's got everyone we interviewed. Yeah. Other than Leander Cave and Pete Jacobs. <laughs> Pete Jacobs. So I, I got we, I got um, a couple of the red T-shirts you guys have seen us wearing during the week. Got them all signed by everybody we interviewed. See, the, the particular except, one, except Leander Cave, who was our first interview when we arrived. And I was didn't I wasn't on on, on my on my on my A game. And um, I tried to hook up with Pete Jacobs before he left, and even um, emailed me, but we just didn't manage to hook up on Monday. So we've got everybody except those two. We've got Macker and Crowey and. Um, hey, don't worry, it's all good. It's all but good. But you, 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 when are you gonna put that up? Uh, it'll be some stage this week. Okay, good. Yeah, so well, check that out. And but as I said, Extreme Endurance will be in there. Awesome support of the show. Um, everybody who did the Aquathon got some Extreme Endurance. But check it out, xendurance.com. Nice. Okay, let's get back to the interviews. Hey guys, it's Bevan here. Just letting you know that uh, when we recorded Hillary's interview, we weren't using our Audio Technica, which is a bit of a 
bit of a downfall of us, but there is a little bit of wind in the background and it can be a little bit annoying. The interview goes for about 15 minutes, so uh, persevere as she's got some good content in there. Well, it's a good friend of the show, really. Yes. We've been on for a while. No. And lots happened since we've been on I still remember the time that she, I think, I don't know if it was the last time she was on, but it might have been the first year we were over here. We're sitting in our little uh, our plush condo, and uh, we're and, and it was away. pretty tidy. I seem to remember. Tops were off, and Bevan had a little bit of a sweat going. He bit just of a pick, sweat. picked up a cushion that was next to him and just wiped it all <laughs> over his head. <laughs> and I was I like, "Oh, we're going to have to sit on that bloody thing." But it was good times. Well, you got us a unit of our aircon. Don't blame me; it's your fault. We have upgraded to aircon this year. It's good. Well, we've got Hillary Biscay next to us. How you going, mate? Good, thank you. You're a married woman now, mate. I am, yes, uh, 10 months or something like that. Where, where did you get married? We got married by the ocean in my hometown in Palos Verdes. Big wedding? Um, no, small, maybe like 50 people or so, but it was awesome. We had our triathlon friends from so many different continents. Yeah. We had the Grangers and the Mackenzies from Australia, and Tara Norton came over from Canada, and it was just awesome that people made a big trip for our little wedding weekend. It's pretty awesome. We're, we're recording this in Kona, but it's going to be on after after we get back. But um, we're down at Manolani on Wednesday night. We love the Manolani. And um, you had a night there with a bit of a girls' night out going vegan. I'm intrigued to find out a bit more about the vegan know, lifestyle, just the vegan diet, why you've gone that way. And, Especially as a pro. And, yeah, how you sort of find it, make it all work. Yeah, um, I cut probably 98% of animal products out of my diet about three and a half years ago um and I say 98% because I'm definitely I call myself like an aspiring vegan because I am I'm not like I have not fully arrived yet I definitely have like a sneaky piece of cheese here or there if it's if it's served to me but um but other than that yeah I, I cut all that stuff out about three and a half years ago just because I really I I read a couple of like books that were sort of really influential for, for me and this kind of thing where after after reading them and reading about the way that meat and animal products are produced in our country I just I just couldn't do it I could not I, I literally didn't even get through this book it's called the food revolution I didn't even get to the end of it before I had to <laughs> stop eating the stuff altogether um and I like I was definitely concerned about what it would do to my performance but at that point in time it was something that I came to feel so strongly about and continue to feel so strongly about that I have accepted that if that affects my performance in a negative way then that's what it does you know obviously it seems as though it came from a bit of a moral place you know mm. like I read this and like what's happening I'm gonna make a stance on it which is cool but there's a big learning curve into going to you know and for general population to, to go to vegan is a big learning curve but for a pro athlete it's a probably even more important learning curve because it's you know it's the fuel of your body so how did you get that happening how did you make sure you're putting the right stuff in absolutely well it was it it was quite a quite a steep learning curve and I and I suffered a lot um I, I really just did it through trial and error, I guess. I um, So I can't say that I had, I had a real strategic plan for my approach in the beginning. And as a consequence, I think I kind of just substituted a lot of like products that were high in gluten, i.e. bread, fake meat products, that kind of stuff. Um, I, I used those to get my calories instead of... Like, I used to just eat a big bowl of cottage cheese and yogurt for lunch, for example. Um so I did that and found myself at the end, you know, probably about a year and a half into this whole thing, really, really, really 
fatigued, like really? really messed up, like just just in the box, like big time. Um, and it took me honestly another like nine or ten months to get to the root of that, which was okay. I'm so desperate now. I'm gonna try cutting out gluten and seeing what happens because I had read other, you know, read enough stuff about that, thinking maybe that's my issue. And to be honest, before I made this change, when I was with Brett Sutton and whatnot, like I wasn't allowed to eat bread (laughs) and I didn't eat fake meat products because I ate like tuna and chicken. So essentially I went from a diet that was really, really low in gluten to a diet that was really high in gluten. And my gut did not like that. Um, Basically what happens if you're eating a lot of that stuff and your gut doesn't like it is that it then can't process like the vitamins and minerals that are in what you're eating. And so... As a result, I if you obviously if you don't have like vital nutrients, then you get really really messed up from training as hard as we do. So that was a process, but once I sorted that out, I've been pretty okay. Oh, great. Is fish part of the fish or not? No fish. So, so, so no, no animals. No meat products at all, really, is it? Mm-mm. No. Chicken, everything like that as well, to see if there's anything in them. Like if you're buying, I don't know, anything some, something that might. <laughs> yeah. That's a great question. If, if I were a true, like, vegan, hardcore strict, I absolutely would. I mean, as it is now, a lot of, say, it's, I found myself a lot of times having to choose between, like, you know, when I'm getting my gluten-free bagels, I can have bagels, full gluten bagels, or I can have gluten-free that have eggs in them. So with that kind of stuff, like, those are the places where now I'm not, like, fully there. I still, if I can find, like, completely egg dairy-free baked goods and I do that when they're gluten when you know without gluten but um those are the few places where I'm still not like totally strict and I would love to get there eventually but, but is it more is it more just about convenience you know like obviously just, the world's not made for vegans you no. know and, and so sometimes it's more just that it's impossible to choose an option that's not vegan yeah I mean that's that is true it it is it is possible to make it happen I'm sure but it's there's nothing convenient about it and a lot of it depends on where you are like geographically there are certain places in the world where it's easier than others when i travel the races i travel with like half a suitcase full of food because that's i mean some places that's what that's what it takes when i did ironman korea last year i was going for only four days and i literally brought enough to be self-sufficient for four days and not buy like one single thing in korea just in case because i hadn't been there and i didn't know you know so you're still racing like crazy you're still just you know because you know over the years because how many have you done now 57 Granger. Yeah, she was. We were just discussing today that she's. She is. She'll. She's hoping to hit fifty next at the end of next year, so that she maybe can be done with Iron Distance. But um. But yeah, she's actually trying to figure out how to fit in that fiftieth. It looks like she's about forty-nine on the schedule by the end of next year. (laughs) So what about you? Like, because you know there was that period where you were like literally doing a race every bloody weekend. We like we'd do the results and Hillary. You know, it was. was, There was surely she's not going racing next weekend. And then Hillary, (laughs) because there was there was a period where you were doing a massive amount of racing. And I know you've always been a high volume racer. Are you still kind of aiming for that level of racing, or has it shifted? Well. Last year, I think I made I made a conscious effort to, to try to race less, um, and I ended up doing, I think, five Ironmans. This year, I didn't, just to see if it would make a difference, right? And I don't feel that it does make a difference for me. Um, the scheduling of them may make a difference, and just in the sense that I can't just string a bunch of Ironmans out, like, one a month and have no, like, yeah. like sustained training blocks. That, that, that is an issue, but 
in, in terms of like doing them back to back weekends, that kind of thing. That's that's not a problem, and nor do I feel like the second race would be better if I hadn't raced the weekend before. That just doesn't. I don't think that applies to me. Um, this year, I didn't set out trying to race less, but I'm. We're here in October. I've done five. I'm not doing any more, um, simply because. I think the rest of the races this year are flat, like, draft fest running races, and that doesn't suit me, besides Ironman Western Australia, which I, I really enjoyed that last year, but, again, it's a thousand, you know, it's a $25,000 race, and that's an expensive trip for us, you know? It doesn't make sense. Um, you've, you've moved, you, well, it seems like you're moving into coaching. I'm not sure if that's a big move or not, but I know when I started getting into coaching, I started learning a lot more about myself in terms of how I perform and what I'm telling athletes and and, and are you having, doing it, John? And, and, and practicing what I preach. Have, have you have you learned much since you've you've sort of upped the ante a bit with your coaching? Well, you know, it's funny is I've actually been coaching since I turned pro, which was 2005. Um, but I guess for me now, I am I'm involved with. I've become. I mean, I've been fortunate enough now to be involved with sort of like some you know handful of like higher level athletes. I mean, I have some young girls who will be racing pro in the next couple of years and and so I think that's been the big shift for me is that I've gone from working with beginners because that's that's what I felt comfortable with Mm. back when I was first coaching to now working with you know elite level age groupers and thus it has become sort of more all-encompassing for me and it's it is it's more involved and I am just and I'm just I love it and so it's it is I just could spend all day on coaching because I'm just like it's just so fun for me um and and yeah it has of course made me like sort of step back and and think about training in in a more you know critical way um and sort of as a result of that I think um I'm now working with Siri Lindley who is a coach that I think kind of specializes in working with more experienced pros like myself who want to have some like input in their training. And so she and I work together in a really like collaborative sort of, of way because, because I am so invested in my coaching, you know, project for, with my girls, it's, it's hard. You can't just sit there and do what someone tells you training wise. And obviously I, you know, have those thoughts about my own training as well. So, for, for the people out there, you know, because we do get the odd listener who's trying to, to back up I mean within very short periods of time, it's a question we get a lot is, you know, some people are week to week, but most people within a six-week six period, you know, you, you're pretty experienced at that. What are some tips that you'd give to do it successfully to, you know, to, you know, obviously some people say A race, B race and all the rest of it, but to actually turn up to both races and do okay at them, what would be some tips that you'd um, advise? I think it does really depend on the, on the time frame. I mean, if you're looking at... Um, you know, one of my preferred combos, which is was just to do races like seven days apart. Um, that's something, for example, that I much prefer to like a 14-day time period because um, I know that with my body, I I will start feeling pretty good six or seven days after an Ironman, but then then it goes downhill pretty fast, starting about three days later. So I know I can't personally, I can't manage that time frame. So it's 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 first about observing how your recovery pattern is. Like before you try the experiment, really take note of okay, hmm, after this, I mean, this is, this is why I first experimented with it, is I remember one year I did Ironman Brazil, flew to Switzerland for camp with Sato, and we had a 180K hard squad ride the following weekend, and I had one of my best training rides ever. And I thought, wow, you know, maybe my body could handle, like, racing again this weekend. So so it's, it's observing and, and maybe even giving yourself little tests. I like to do that sometimes, go to the track the weekend after an Ironman and see how I go. Um, 
you know, test yourself in that way to see how am I feeling, you know, seven days out? How am I feeling 14 days out? What's my recovery pattern? Because it does vary. Some people can race two weeks apart and do well. I know that I can. Um, so that's my first tip. I think if you do want to race, you know, a week apart, you have got to not rest very much going into the first Ironman period. Um, and then you can float through till the second one. But if you're looking at more of like a six week time frame, then there is work to be done in between, but you've got to accept that the bulk of the long miles are done before Ironman number one. And I wouldn't personally, like with my athletes racing in that kind of time frame, I would essentially not do anything long. I mean, we don't need any more six hour rides or any more like three hour runs, that's for sure, in between those two. Nice. This is uh, going to be going out, what, a week and a half? I'm listening to it now. Week and a, yeah, probably. <laughs> week and a half after Kona. Who, who won Kona? <gasps> Ooh. Because we are actually recording this the day before Kona. <laughs> I have got to say that I'm liking, I mean, I know this is so boring, but I've got, I'm liking Crowey or Maka for the men. Um, I mean, Crowey, how can you mess with that? Like, he's got, with the, with the record he's got, and besides that, he's just one of the toughest competitors I've ever, ever seen. <laughs> Um, so professional, isn't he? Yeah. You know, like, he's just one of those guys that it goes, here's everything I have to do to win, tick that box every day. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he's just so process-driven, isn't he? Quietly confident. He doesn't, he's not sitting on Twitter talking himself up. On the other hand, Maka is, but we also know, I also feel like he wouldn't be here if he didn't think he, yeah. if he wasn't in great form. And so I've, I just have a feeling about those two. For the women, I've got to say that um, Rachel Joyce was my favorite, but she's been sick this week, so I'm quite concerned about that i would love to see her win but um and i hope that i mean so i'm just saying it's put a put a little dent into my you know otherwise i had my money on her um but i also really really like leanda i think that she's hitting her form um at just the right time and i have the privilege of training with her both at home um and with siri and she just mentally i just it's just incredible to watch that girl i mean no matter what is going on like around her be it like a world championships be it personal issues be it anything she when the gun goes off like she just gives 150 percent all the way and i mean she's actually not someone that's like a flashy like person in training um which is why i can train with her because she doesn't have to go and like drill every session that said i've trained with her a bit in the past week and it's like whoa dude i mean i've trained with her enough to to know She's not going to try to show off for me in training, but she's yeah. just that strong right now that, like, she is just flying. It's going to be a great race, isn't it? Any gossip for us? Bevan always likes a bit of gossip. Oh, so you so you, you want the gossip, so no, you, no. you say Bevan wants the gossip. Yeah, right. <laughs> what's, what's the gossip, Hillary? Oh, you guys, you can't, you got to ask me specific questions. Like, okay, who's still... shagging who? Oh. <laughs> what's the saying? Like, what happens on tour stays on tour? Okay, yeah. We'll, we'll let you out of that one. Well, good luck, mate. So what's up for what's up next for you? So no more Ironman races this year? No more, but I've got to have a project for the next few months. I can't go a few months without racing. So I haven't run an open marathon in five years. Ooh, so nice. I'm going to run the Tucson Marathon in what, December. What do, you, what do you do a marathon? Um, well, I don't know. I would. My goal is to break three hours, which I think will that will be tough for me. That's not, yeah. it's not an easy ask. So it's good. I mean, because it's a little yeah. off-season challenge. Yeah, it's a so. run block as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the project at the moment. Plug, plug for your website and if people want to follow you yes my actually my third project besides racing and coaching at the moment is um well first of all i do have a blog that's just, just hillarybiscay.com and i try to keep that updated daily um and my girlfriend and i just started our own clothing business we're making tri kits cycling kits 
casual apparel, all that stuff. And it's smashfestqueen.com. It's so new that she hasn't even taken the plastic off the bit on her, on her oh zip. Gosh, look at that. They look literally, at the, the kits literally arrived yesterday. She put it on and it's, it's very fashion. Is that... So is that uh, custom kit or stuff you've done is it girls only boys and girls girls we do have compression socks for dudes yeah. um, dudes we've already hey, done dudes <laughs> yeah no there are pink ones but there are black ones for boys um, that was kind of one of the first items on my agenda because I wanted pink compression socks with a star on them and I couldn't find them anywhere so that was like, part of my inspiration if you want something you do a company thing. around it I like that yeah, yeah so, so what's the website for that smashfestqueen.com nice well check it out girls if you want some stuff and boys if you're trying to impress your ladies smashfestqueen.com nice okay, thanks for coming on the show Hillary thank Love you your work. thanks for the bananas <laughs> at oh, I meant to say sponsor don't I sponsor sponsor so we're loving getting all the results up there. I was uh, chatting to Victoria from um, Challenge Wanaka. And I was saying, you better have those blooming 2007 she made my mic. up there. She made my mic. Did she? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've got the record, John. Yeah. I don't have the record of many things in life. Yeah. No, not really. So that was, I'm happy with that. And what to be you? honest, I think I might keep that record forever. Do you know why? I think what they made the course slightly longer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. What we should do is we need to have, Bevan and I have talked about a few different things we're going to do with the show. Can, we we tell one, can I tell one now? Uh, probably. We're going to do, what we're going to do is we're going to do, basically, if you do an Ironman on the weekend, you go to a website, you put your name on the website, we're going to say your name on the show if you did an Ironman. Mm. We've just got to figure out the most logistical easy way to do that, but look out for the next couple of weeks. So if you've done an Ironman, you can put it on there and we're going to say, John Newsom, well done. And we're going to have, well, we need to have a transition leaderboard. As in what? Fastest transitions ever. You can go number one straight up. I can't remember what time I did, but... Well, we can go back and look at the results. But the other thing I was saying, Victoria, is... Because in 2007, first challenge Wanaka, um, they had a change in management after that, and obviously you lose a lot of the stuff when you do things like that. And I'm not sure if they've got the 2000 results up. And I said, if you haven't got them anywhere on file, go to athlinks.com, because they're up there. I and think Rebecca Keat just passed us. Ah. She did. Oh, we'll have to grab her for a little interview. We will. Although her sister looks exactly the same. I still need to say thank you to her because she got Belinda into the medical tent when I was carked out and wrote, getting drips and everything like that. John, that was six years ago. I think she's going to forget about well, that. Well, Belinda didn't forget. Belinda was very grateful. Because um, I was at the party, John, the case was slash feel about party. Mm. And when I was there, she was there. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to say hello to her because I don't really know her, but I met her a couple of times. And then I turned around and was like, there were two of her. So it's either she's a twin or his sister or looks very similar. Or somebody had sm- spiked your <laughs> yeah, uh, diet coke. That was, that was a good party. <laughs> um, but back to athletes, uh, I, I love it that, that you can just basically keep all your results in one place. And as I said with Challenge Wanaka, those results were hard to come by. Also another race that I did, um, the ITU Especially race. because that's like your best result ever. Yeah. You got third. Yeah. And the ITU race that was in Auckland last year, the selection race, again, that website disappeared. And, uh, Did they really? Well, because yeah, they just shifted everything, the focus onto this year for world champs and but the website changed. history. But yeah, I couldn't, well, I couldn't easily find it anywhere. Disappointing. Go John. to Athlinks, it's there. So well, claim, make sure you put all your results Oh, was it on Athlinks? Yeah, oh. I, because I submitted it, it got it all up there. And so now, honestly, when I, if I want to check out the results of my, my own results, going, how did I do there? I don't bother pissing around trying to find the website and, and the results within that website. Boom, go to Athlinks, pull it up, and put my profile up, and then check out what my fastest 10K time ever was, and uh, bloody useful. 30, 31. 29.06. <laughs> 
<laughs> Bjorn yeah. Brownlee, eh? Yeah. You would have taken him. Yeah. Okay, then. Uh, is that, is that, are we going into the last bit of the show? Yeah. Okay, uh, so last bit of the show, John. John's rant, very quick. Be- Bevan's experienced my rants this week. He's be- I'm going to have a rant about your ranting, but you, you talk first. Yeah. So I had two, two particular rants. One of them is an old school rant he always waffles on about. Yeah. So again, I, I was driving along yesterday, and I, we, we can't use the words that I said. I just said, where the is your helmet to it, somebody it gets who was angry? Going, and he's, he's like, he's Tourette's, because you'll be driving along, I'll be looking at my <laughs> iPhone or looking at the beautiful lava fields. I don't know where. It's like the roads aren't any softer in Hawaii. So put your helmet on. They're faster, but when we went for that ride yesterday, we were smoking. You know, were smoking. And it, it wasn't even going that hard. Jesus, so, it, was, it was nice riding on those roads. Um, so wear a helmet. And secondly, get a bike fit done. The, yeah. the people that I saw with excessively high seats, I was like, are you... I think I've already talked about that, but it was like, are you kidding? You're not happy with that, are you? No. When was the last time you got a bike fit done? Uh, when I got my new bike. How's that? It was all good. Yeah, good. Okay, what are we going Your rant wasn't much of a rant. Oh, okay. Well, I thought you were going to come back at ranting about my ranting. Well, it's just because you, you do get... It's just that it's Tourette's-like. It is. <laughs> it's just because oh, he's, he's, he's like a meerkat. His head pops up and then... <laughs> Give him, giving you a cuddle and then... Bevan, you bastard! <laughs> Whack you in the face. That's right. I get, it's hard work doing this job, I tell you. So, kind of thoughts... Kind of thoughts, John. So, what are you thinking about this year's Kona? Um, well, good, thought, good and bad. Good and bad. Um, apparently, and this is a rant we've had a number of times, they took it to a new level with the post-race food. They, uh, I think it was Nick Nose Rose was saying Yeah, no, quality. they delivered this time, didn't they? I don't know why it's taking this long, but every year it has been pizza and ice cream since 2005 when yep. I came, probably 2004 when Bevan came. This year apparently they had the full full works, what you'd expect from every other race. Good so quality food. Good work on They're upping. probably listening to us, John. Yeah, good work on upping the game. I think the thing about that as well, that whole area was a less congested. You know, last year, a few years when we've been there, once you come across the line, you, you pretty much go around the beached area by the hotel. What's the hotel called now? The King Cam. Oh, is it still the King Cam? Is the it? Marriott okay. King Cam. Yeah, and, um, and and normally there's family everywhere and it's just congested and family's grabbing food and it's a bit messy, whereas they were a bit more strict than letting people in, which I'm sure family were disappointed in, but at the same time, it did allow there to be a relaxed feel. Mm. And At least when we were there, we didn't stay there for a long period of time, but nah, I so that was pretty good. And it's good to see they sharpen up on the food because that was always, when we are talking to Pots about it, you yeah. know, like, it, come on, it's a big race, so it was good. Yeah. Well done, I am. Um, online coverage I put a post on Facebook and uh, there was mixed feedback most people seemed to be saying the Laodo boys were popular yep and it was a, it was certainly a good strong step in the right direction so I don't know the, the feeling I got was it was certainly an improvement but we all want to have the most awesomest coverage ever but uh, there were quite a few people going it was terrible and it was crap and I was like oh, okay but because Bevan and I we get to see the pictures but we don't really hear the commentary and stuff and we're just sort of randomly watching it just for the bike rides so we don't get a feel for what the uh, whole experience John, is like. I went on the website a couple of times I think there's a couple of little things that they could do to make it a lot better I think they could invest in some more timing mats like timing mats aren't expensive are they mm, you no. know and, and for an event like this level if you could have a timing mat at, at like 25k 50k you know 75 like every maybe even 20k's and then if they could do that and on the run maybe every 4k have a, a timing mat you know it may be only the pros get a special chip so it's only going to be pros who are actually going to be on this because um, although you could do it for but, age groupers but, but we were talking to somebody else and they said uh, at the Xterra world's coming up that all the pros are going to have GPS. live GPS tracking on website um, and if the age groupers want to do it they pay an extra $50 seems like a good call to me yeah well, th- but the thing is uh, I'm in live I th- I, game when I, I thought that when I did watch it like they're doing a pretty good job of the coverage but the only thing that I, I would like to see is 
an, an area that it just has where the pros are right now on, on that page. And they used to have that. Yeah, okay. this year they didn't have it. And yeah. uh, they had the, the streaming down the side of content that was coming through, but the actual, an area where you could just look where, the okay. Leaderboard. Yeah, leaderboard. Based at, at, at 10K on the run, boom. Yeah, and but and we invest in a few more timing mats just to have that more regularly because it was a little bit frustrating not knowing what was happening at certain times. So that's an area to sharpen up on, but... Yeah, the general feel we got was that they did a pretty good job. Oh, I agree. And definitely the insight of the Leoto boys, apparently. Yeah, because we did a quick interview with him. Chris. And yep. uh, he was great. He was good, yeah. yeah so. I really like his More Than Sport Foundation as well, so you guys check mm. that out. So that's, uh, we're back home now. That's kind of done and dust. Oh, you don't want to do, wait, we've got some oh, other stuff. Okay. The 80-year-old athlete, so 80-year-old oh, yeah. athlete, we had an 80-year-old guy. It was th- there, was three, uh, there was three in the men's 80 a- And two of them had done, you know, the close to 17 hours thing, which, hey, you can't give that a hard time, but one guy had done like nearly 15 hours. It was about 15 and a half hours, Japanese dude. Impressive. That's unbelievable, John. Mm. Um, speeches? Oh, we've talked about that. Yep. So a little bit long. It's um, okay. I remember that one athlete, Harriet, I can't remember her second name off the top of my head. She was in this either 70 to 74 or 75 to 79. She took up the full allotment. I think she was 16, 59, yeah. 40 something. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I think one thing, a couple of little things behind the scenes. Um, they definitely need to prove on their Wi-Fi for media. Yeah. Uh, the media room, is, it's a good space. And the, the, the girls who work there are amazing. They just do, they're really great at looking after us guys. And they're also really great at, um, it's, you know, it's a good area. But the problem is they've got this Wi-Fi connection, which is just ridiculous. <laughs> you guys don't give a crap about no, that. No, but you know what? I think they need to hear this. So you guys send emails saying, look, we don't like the Wi-Fi in your media room. <laughs> uh, but like normally, like in New Zealand, which our, our Wi-Fi is not, or our internet's not that fast, you know, the normal show takes about anywhere from 30 to 40 minutes to upload, or 30 to an hour on a bad day. If we'd done it in the media room, it would have taken me five hours to upload the show. Yeah. So that was pretty poor. Um, anything else? I saw, I saw Jessica at the uh, the fuel belt case Swiss party. Yeah, she was she's having a good time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I said because she she looked really a bit stressed this week when I saw her, so I didn't yeah. bother bother hounding her. I said, what would it have been like if Lance had been here? Oh, like, it would have been ridiculous. I, can't, I don't I don't know how well they would have handled it. It would have just been. Oh, but it w- they would have committed another level. Yeah. It would have been pretty insane. Like they, they wouldn't have been able to do what they normally do, and they would have known that. The only other thing I, I would comment on, John, is it seemed like there was a lot less media here this year. Mm-hmm. You know, like if we like when we've been here in years past, if I think to last year's media conference, they had a room that was at least twice the size of this year's one, the pre-race one, at least twice the size, maybe even three times the size, and it was chocking. Now, admittedly, you get the age groups, you know, people who know just to turn up, but media-wise, it. Like when we think about when we're answering questions, the amount of cameras and stuff like that, and post-race, like John and I were able to get, yeah, sorry about the noise in the background, but John and I were able to get into the front row of the media room for the conference afterwards. And uh, to be honest, it, it was, there was no fighting, there was hardly any photos taken. and mm-hmm. So it did seem like just the, the size of the media seemed a little bit small. Now I'm not sure if that means anything, but it was just really interesting to see. Mm. Mm. It was. Any other thoughts? Have we put the woman's... Uh Women's post race. No, maybe we'll do that now. We'll put that after the show. Yeah, it's, it's quite entertaining, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we did. We didn't get the boys. <laughs> no, the, the, the yeah. We Long stories. Big problems. Big <laughs> issues. Um, so it's been good times. It was the best race this year, I think, that we've seen in a long time. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see whether these guys become icons or not. You know, uh, Leander Cave probably should go down. When I say this, something she should go down as a legend, but. I don't think she's reached legendary status yet. She has won. She has won an ITU Worlds champs. She's John. won a, a, a seventy point three middle distance champs. She's won Ironman. 
and she's won the 70.3 and Ironman in the same year. So, so, so John, this is really interesting. Do you become a legend because you have a personality, or do you become a legend because of results? A bit of both. Yeah. You know, because the thing is, is that Leander is quite an unassuming character, mm-hmm. and she's not, you know, she's not the kind of, she's not a Mecca type of character, mm-hmm. you know, she's not someone who's going to go and put herself out there in that kind of way, and um, she's always kind of been under the radar, but if you look at her results, <coughs> she's just as strong as anyone with his legends, or not just as strong as anyone on Legends of Triathlon, but she's had, you know, a lot of people, she's up there with people we've had on there, mm-hmm. so she, results-wise, she's definitely a legend. Yeah. Um, I've, I've she's put, won all distances. I know, but... I think it might take another one victory there, maybe or so, to for her to really be in const. She, as you said, she should be, and I would, we'd have to put her down. But I would. I think in the public's the public's eye, you know, you'd be listing off your legend list of legends. I don't think she'd come up at this stage, but I hope, certainly hope she does because so, the results. So, so years cool. ago, we had Scott Molina on a show doing his top ten females. I wonder if he'd consider her in the top ten mm. females now. She hasn't been a dominator, you know. Like her victory there was was a close victory. Yeah, wasn't particularly fast. Um, careful, so careful. Well, no, the, the gap between the first oh, the no, the male eight, no, but, but between so Pete, Pete went eight eighteen, and I'm not quite sure what Leander's time was off the top of my head, but I think it was more than an hour behind. Yeah. So normally we see a, a sort of a forty minute gap. Hey, it was an awesome race. She beat all the girls that have been oh, contenders yeah. in previous years. So I'm, I'm just, it was just odd that it wasn't. I would have thought it would have been quicker for all of the girls, mm. for Zena, for. Um, I suppose they, the they, all had, they all had four minutes um, added to the time, but uh, yeah, it was interesting. So I think that was um, great, but I was just really pleased to see a good girls race and see none of the girls really crumbled. Um, you know, Joycey, obviously, she was sick, and so she was out of the mix, but yep. all the contenders we thought that were going to be delivered, there, really, yeah. delivered, which was, was great on the guys' side of things. Maybe we'll talk about our picks a little bit next week, but we did miserably. I got two out of five, mate. You did miserably. <laughs> Let's just get that right. We did miserably. <laughs> So I think the thing is as well is, is Jacob's had a great race and he definitely deserved to win but it was one of those races where if a couple of things went in a couple of different ways mm. you know like it's I think the really great thing about although our sport never really has a dominator oh, I suppose Crow over the last few years has but there's no real clear gun right now is there when we, when we line up next year doing these picks will be the same as this year we'll go there's probably six or seven guys Pete Jacobs will not be he'll be probably the favourite yep. but he won't be a clear favourite by, by a long shot. You'll still have all those boys again. You have Ray Lert, you have him, you have Marino. Well, we'll still be talking about Marino. We didn't even talk about him this year, but maybe we should have. Um, and then whether Crowley and Macker are there. And yeah, next year will be another great race. Mm, yeah, it's it's amazing time. If you ever get a chance, what's really interesting is for all this, so talking to a lot of the people who come along and actually uh, just watch the race. You know, they love it. And so if you ever are thinking about going over and watching the Ironman World Champs, it's definitely... You know, an experience that you'd love, even mm. if you're just someone who's there, you know, not racing that week. Uh, so it's definitely worth doing. Exactly. Anything else we need to talk about? Sponsors? Coffeesofhawaii.com. Get the apparel. Athlinks.com. Put photos of yourself in the apparel. And extreme endurance. And then put do it before an aquathon. Special thanks to our Kona sponsors. Um, endurance Sport Travel. Yep, uh, you guys rock. And Marnalani. Yep, love your work. So we'll be back in the studios next week. Maybe do a couple more Kona bits and pieces, I think. Well, Just it's quite a quiet time of year now, isn't it? It is. Coming up this weekend, I think we've got the Beach to Battleship and maybe, I think, the Great Floridian. Jeez, that's good off the top of your head. Boy, I know, well, I've, got one, I've got one fella racing in the Beach to Battleship. Moose It's going to crush Come on, me. Moose. Um, no, it's good times. Bevan, our Jetstar plane is sitting out there waiting. Bevan's pretty excited because uh, he did the little... 
So we booked on Qantas. Um, when we get on our Jetstar flight, what's the what's the story? And we get we get food and we get entertainment units. I'm we get a full package. That. Bevan is a happy camper. I don't need much, but I do need entertainment. Let's just say it's going to be an announcement pretty soon. Coach John Newsom, Project 2014. Oh, he's, he's got this big master plan. You guys wait. Seriously, wait. it's going to change your own lives. You guys are all going to be on the journey. Okay, here we go. Ira, oh, we're going to have the uh, the post-race. Yeah, so what we'll do is we'll do the little outro here, and then I'm just going to put the post-race interview or media conference from the chicks. Um, it, <laughs> let's listen to it. There's some pretty entertaining moments in it. This is going to be a monster show. We've just done 40 minutes. Yeah. it's going to probably be got about day. another... We gave them 20 hours over in Ocona. They'll yeah. love it. Our, our bandwidth allowance is going through the roof. Exactly. They did at dinner with Albert and her. They said, go longer. Go longer. <laughs> so it's the effort of the team, not ours. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Trace far. Kia kaha. Okay, wait, I'm just going to do the intro. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, just like our men's race today, we were treated to one of the great races out there with our women today. You must agree that, uh, you know, it started out with a bang, Dr. Amanda Stevens uh, leading out in the swim, followed by a, a big chase group, and then it wasn't too long before we saw Mary Beth Ellis and Leander Cave and uh, Caroline Stephan at the front really pushing the pace. Caroline's looking at me like, I'm going to take that pizza off you. No, it's all yours. I'm not going to take on Zena. Zena will win. All right, so uh, out onto the bike course today, uh, you know, then very early on, Caroline had a, you know, four-minute um, penalty box situation, then it was Leander that was in the penalty box, and then it was Mary Beth that was in the penalty box. So all of a sudden, we were all playing on an even playing field. Right, ladies? <laughs> so no more cheating. Can I just All right. Yeah, you've got to turn the switch on, lady. Under the bottom. I wouldn't mind if you see all in the same. I wouldn't mind if we spent um, the time together in the same time. Speechless. <laughs> 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 you want a bottle of champagne too to go with that? <laughs> Block of Toblerone, we'll be all good. Galpin Milch. Okay. All right, so down to the run course, and then we uh, we had a magnificent uh, run out there today. It was uh, unbelievable. Caroline getting out there and uh, off to a beautiful start, uh, and then it was Leander. She was off uh, chasing after Caroline. Mary Beth Ellis, she was, uh, we were saying on Ironman.com today that she was a, a pain in everyone's side today. She just would not go away. And uh, she was tough, and uh, a tough little nugget she is. And uh, you know, just mentioned that this is a very hard and a very demanding race. Uh, so we'll do all of our girls. They did a fantastic job. And then to Sonia, just bringing it home right there at the end, uh, just a magnificent job. And then Leander, I mean, she uh, she didn't surprise many people. She surprised some. She comes into this race, and uh, six weeks ago she was 12th place. Uh, Caroline, get away from the microphone. <laughs> Stop eating for a minute. 
Don't touch the microphone. <laughs> Leander was 12th place in High V at the Elite Cup uh, just six weeks ago, and uh, it was just magnificent. She came across the line, and she wasn't even puffing. I said to her, you don't even look like you've done anything. And uh, she said, well, I don't even feel like I've done anything. So a week later, she goes down to uh, Las Vegas and wins uh, the Ironman World Championship 70.3 uh, in great fashion. It was just a magnificent race that she put together. And then just five weeks later, she does this. A remarkable finish for a fourth world title and uh, probably the one that she's going to treasure most. Um, today, um, it was an incredible sight to see. Uh, the Australian Marinda Carfrey, 2010 champion, coming up onto the shoulder of Leander Cave. And uh, you've, you've got a girl that holds the marathon record here at 252.09. And uh, she's on your shoulder and you don't wither. You don't look around. You control your breathing and you keep on going forward. And for Leander Caves today, it was an amazing victory. And it was one of that, that I think that uh, was one of the, the toughest uh, girls out there. And I think that the toughest girl won today. Won't you join me in clapping your hands for Leander Caves. It was also a day for the ages. Who said that a 45-year-old mother couldn't come in the top 10? Who said that she couldn't set the fastest bike time? It happened today. Natasha Bardman was incredible. She's not here right now, but she is absolutely incredible. Six-time Ironman champion, and uh, she was right in the mix. So anyway, let's get straight to it. We're gonna open up right over here. Leander, you kept the GBR title right at the forefront of female again. How are you feeling about that right now? Yeah, it's good to keep it in, in the UK. Um, Chrissy did say something in the press about uh, she wants one of us, well, myself or Rachel Joyce, to fly the flag from GB, and I'm proud to be able to say that we still hold that title, and next year I uh, hope we can do the same again. Roger. Leander, you, you are making a challenge in the run, and the, the woman with the, the marathon run, that's what she said, she's making the charge, and you, you know, you're obviously aware of it's coming. Can you just talk, talk us through the mindset and what you were thinking and sort of how you, I guess, coped with that scenario, and then obviously, you know, not only coped, but executed brilliantly. Well, there's quite a few words there that you probably won't be able to publish, but uh, shit was one of them. <laughs> no more swearing. Take the microphone away from you. Thought I was bad. Only learn from the best, Greg. Um, <laughs> I was, when I, I mean, I saw Marinda along Alihi when we turned around, I'm like, yeah, a few swears crossed my mind then, uh, and I knew I had, I think I came off the bike with an eight minute um, lead on Marinda, and I couldn't believe that she'd already closed in at least half of that lead, and by the time, and I, I was honest, like last year, and every other race I think I've ever done with Marina, she's run, managed to run me down. So it was just, I thought it was just a matter of time. And then when I saw her at the um, turnaround down at the Energy Lab, I was pretty convinced that she was 
gonna at some point uh, pass me quite similar to last year, quite close towards the end. It was just like she was just playing with me, you know, toying with me, like leaving me out there. Uh, and I was actually quite surprised but that coming into the last mile that she hadn't passed me and, and that at that stage I, I was had I think I'd already passed um, Caroline at that point and I thought wow this could actually be my day. I guess sort of the second part to that question is to ask you Marinda that you know you've done you know, you know, you know, you know your strengths, and you must have been growing with confidence as it all this unfolds. You know, you're closing in on second. Can you talk us through what happened to you from there? Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I don't think. Yeah, um, I don't think you've you had eight minutes on me off the bike. It wasn't Carolyn first off the bike. Yeah, you had eight. Well, I was told you were eight minutes ahead, or 7.40. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> four, four and a half minutes, yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, I was pleased um, to see that split coming off the bike. Um, I think I was, you know, 11, 11 and a half minutes behind the girls at um, around Harvey and then I sort of started to feel good uh, when I turned back onto the Queen K and, and the times came back down which I was really pleased with because I felt that I needed to be within 10 minutes of whoever was first off the bike because Carolyn runs fast now um, so I couldn't give her much um, what much room and you know Leander and Mary Beth I mean there's a power, power packed front group there um, but, I mean, yeah, I, I was actually a little worried at the start of the run because I, I wasn't pulling back time as quickly as I normally would. Um, and I was hurting a lot. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I was able to bridge up to... Um, I passed Mary Beth right before I bridged up to Leander and I was sort of taking a little breather before I was going to try and make my pass. And then my mind said, OK, OK, it's time to make the pass. And, the body didn't respond, and so I said, okay, well, just another mile, and then another mile went by, and I decided to make the pass again, and nothing happened, and then I find uh, Leander starting to pull away from me, so I think, I mean, I just sort of, I, um, I lost a bottle of the bike, and I was a little low on calories, and, and I paid for it, uh, but that's taking nothing away from these women beside me, they are, uh, unbelievable out there today. Leander um, had a fantastic day and I, I always knew she was capable of winning here and uh, we were joking earlier in the season who was gonna who was gonna take the title and I knew Carolyn also and a couple other girls had something to say for that um, but you know you executed beautifully um, and you know Carolyn I'm sure your day will be sometime soon and you guys too. <laughs> Jeez, good recovery there. Way to go, Tim. Well, you said you'd worked very hard on the bike, and we hadn't seen evidence of it in other years. But uh, I think you started after the swim here, three or four minutes back, and uh, I'm there in the car, and I saw you one, two, three, bang, 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 about 38. 
So it looks like you really did some work, and it worked. But was that effort maybe the thing that you ended up paying for at the end of the day? Um, I, maybe a little bit, but I think um, the bottom line was nutrition um, and losing that bottle. I, try, I tried to replace it with the power bar, but I didn't do my homework to figure out, to know what I was taking on. Uh, and I was looking at it earlier and I didn't take anywhere near what I needed, um, sodium and calories. But you know, that's racing. Um, I thought I'd be okay. I felt perfectly fine um, at the end of the bike, but it sort of came back and bit me at the end of the race. So, um, you know, say lovey. Um, it, I'm still very proud to be on the podium um, amongst these women and um, at this race. I mean, four races and four podiums. I mean, for, for me, I'm I'm stoked. Roger. Um, the three ladies who all got the rules violations, we don't know what they were for because each of you can just run through it. It's for cheating. They <laughs> <laughs> don't need to cheat, they're all super strong. Uh, I don't know either. <laughs> I decided I'd try and pass Caroline and I couldn't pass her and that's apparently cheating. <laughs> so what we saw on TV, if you really want the right story, no, we, we, we saw that Leander went into the, uh, into the draft zone and uh, she pulled straight back out of it without passing so uh, you have 25 seconds to pass, and once you enter into the draft zone, you have to pass. You can't drop back. Um, well, if she can't, it's because you're accelerating and you're trying to get her disqualified. It's, it's your cheating then. She wasn't trying to cheat. You were. You put the power on. I'm not allowed to do that. Did you read your rule book? That's right. That's right. <laughs> anyway, they seem to be pretty good about it. Over here. Uh, question for Mary Beth. Last, last year you uh, you had a really incredible run, Ironman Austria, something else in between, Ironman Canada. There's like four, three or four Ironmans where you're just ripping it up, and you, you didn't match that in Kona. But this year you you had you finished that run here in Kona. What did you do differently? Um, I, I think last year was just too too much. I raced in an Ironman in July and two in August and then came to Kona and was just mentally and physically tired and I think it was probably almost more the mental fatigue and just, you know, when you go to an Ironman you have to be ready to go to war and I was just really tired and and then as the day started to go badly I, I don't think I reacted well and I probably could have salvaged a decent race but I wasn't there mentally so um, and then my my drafting is I, I passed um, Zena and um, Peter Verbrusik was up the road and um, he slowed way down and I wasn't paying enough attention and I got within seven meters of him and then pulled back and just not paying attention out there and yeah so, so you had enough power to pass Zena 
compared to Leander. I know. Uh, <laughs> I think that says something. But I'm fifth and she's the winner, so I don't know if it really means anything. Dave? Caroline, can you describe what you were thinking before, during, and after Leanda's pass in the run in the last 5K or so that it was? Because we saw it on the big screen, her coming up, and then you guys would get her shoulder and shoulder for just a little bit. Did you try to hang with her? Yeah. Um, last evening, Chrissy passed me. Before she passed me, I thought, okay, okay, she's going closer. I don't want to try to hang on. And I did maybe for two seconds. So this year, when I saw him, <laughs> She's getting closer. I thought again, okay, I want to try to hang on. And uh, it was maybe 200 meters, so I'm improving maybe next year. <laughs> um, I mean, I got always splits, and I know she was two minutes behind, and then just got closer and closer. And when, it, when I had one minute, I was still sure um, I, I, I can win this race. So um, I still tried to push her, but then the next split was 30 seconds. So. <laughs> Pretty quick drop, and then I knew, okay, she's uh, probably catching me soon. So I was ready um, to go with her, but I realized a bit too, she was just fine, so there was no chance. And then um, in the downhill, I was just hoping to get a cramp or something. <laughs> 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 but no cramp for her, so I, I still thought maybe something happened and you can catch her. and. I pushed really hard um, downhill to Polani Road and um, I felt I didn't feel too bad and it was just uh, had a little down uh, on a King Queen K. Bevan? Uh, Leander, you know, like I think as athletes you all want to be pushed to your maximum and, and to be on that day where that, that happens and I think for all you girls up there today you experienced that. What was it like to be in, in a race that was such an amazing race right through to the end? Yeah, it was very exciting out there and I think from an athlete perspective, I think it was really enjoyable to actually be racing and we were all back and forth in the mix. It was kind of, um, that's kind of like the racing I like to have uh, where there is no clear favourite and I haven't raced, I don't think, it, really any of you guys all year. And so I really had no idea where I was and I didn't know where they was, I just know their results and I... You know, so it's just, you kind of, there's always that question in your own head about where you're going to stack up against the field. Because when you don't race yeah, your competition that often, I mean, you, racing really shows uh, where you're going to, well, generally finish in a field. And I think all of us were a bit kind of um, unaware of where each other was going to, or how each other was going to do. So. Um, it was it was fun. I really enjoyed it. I mean, what can I say? Leander, <laughs> you've been pretty close in the last two or three years here. So this year, did you change your training or did you change your approach to the race? No, I think for me, I've I've kept my training the same. It's just having that consistent training uh, that's uh, really started to build up uh, and start to start to take effect. And uh, I think Marinda said this in the in the pre-race conference. You it you know you do something and it takes a while for it to transfer over. And I feel like right now it's like what I've done in the past is actually starting to pay off. And it worked. It worked last year. I wouldn't have changed it. <laughs> If you 
Yeah, I... Uh, hang on a second. Well, yeah, that's what she said. She's, she's, um... Don't even say a word. That's your sister asking a question. It's supposed to be a press conference. Answer the question and get it over with. No, she said I could. Siri said I could. Yeah. yeah. Siri said... Have another drink. <laughs> Go on, answer the question. You don't want to argue with my sister. Let me tell you. <laughs> Does anyone? I mean, this is, I think it's a valid question because yeah, I've changed my mindset. <laughs> um, I think I'm I'm in a better place mentally than I was last year, and I feel um, just confidence-wise, like I've said this in the pre-race conference, that um, I got a lot out of last year, and I think it's it's transferred over to this year. I'm I'm running with it. Tim? Leanda, uh, it was very impressive to see how you put on the power in the last two, two and a half miles. I'm not sure how far. And uh, to basically leave Caroline behind. It also looked like you had some fear in the back of your head that maybe Miranda would still be coming because you went flat out, even though you'd achieved a 100 yards or, or more lead. What was on your mind about Miranda during that last period? And where'd you come up with all that power? Well, for a start, I wanted to actually complete the pass this time, uh, as opposed to on the bike. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, Miranda had me shit my pants the whole way. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I, there was no point where I wasn't like, where is she? Where is she going to be? When's the, when's she going to pass me? And I'm glad her um, her body didn't respond to her head, and it normally does. So um, yeah, for, lucky for me, it didn't. Where'd you come up with all that power at the end of the race? <clears throat> um, it might look like I had power. <laughs> didn't feel a whole lot of power to me. Uh, I don't know. I just I think once uh, it's kind of. There's an extra incentive when you, or you know, it's it's a positive, it's a plus when you pass somebody and you're in front all of a sudden. And you just like, you kind of just want to hold on to that. And uh, and I really, uh, so close to the finish, you know, I didn't want to give up that lead once I achieved it. So I was just burying myself to get to the finish line first after that pass. With all due respect, Tim, when you get to the front of a race, which you wouldn't know, you, you find an extra gear. Next question. <laughs> Joking. You asked. No, no, no. Hey, hey, hey. Gentleman over here. We'll get to you. All right, wait a minute. Really, there's a lot of talk that, that you, this wasn't a great year for you leading into today's race. Um, you know, as much as you didn't get the result you aimed for, you, you had a pretty good performance. What do you take away from that? Yeah, Matt Steinmetz and I have been working very hard on my cycling and you know, I don't want to be known as just a runner, and I certainly wasn't much of a runner today, but um, hopefully at some point we'll be able to get the run and the bike going together, and, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, then I hopefully we'll be shooting out for the top spots again. Um, but yeah, take out t from today, I mean, I'm, I'm really happy. I think uh, I improved my bike a lot. I'm disappointed in myself for not doing my homework um, on the nutrition on the course, not knowing what to take um, or how much to take. And I think uh, 
you know, the issues in the end of the race for me could have been avoided. But I mean, as I said, you live and you learn and, um, you know, I won't be making that mistake anytime soon. I mean, losing bottles and so forth is part of racing. And uh, I feel like I should be professional enough to know these things. But um, I'm, I'm pleased. I think the bike is coming along. Uh, that's the goal. I mean, I still am not as fast as I need to be. But um, I think it's, it's moving in the right direction. And, and that's huge. Just before we get to your question, uh, Sonia, you came off the bike 10th place and uh, today you ran into 4th place. It was, uh, it was incredible for one of the fastest runs of the day. How do you feel about your race? Sorry, well, talk funny. I, I had a terrible start. I was swimming completely alone and came out of the water position 28. Um, but my mindset was pretty good today and I knew that I was um, working very hard on the bike and the run and the swim, but uh, you couldn't see it <laughs> the last weeks. Um, yeah, and then I was cycling really good for me, I, I think, and I came off the bike and I knew, okay, you made it top 10, though you swim really bad, and now you run, you run as fast as you can. And I was so glad when I overtook Natasha, that was pretty tough. I had to go a little bit overboard, and I thought now, oh, I have to take, get some space that she's not thinking of coming with me. And then I was told that I might be able to reach Mary Beth, and I, I had to go completely overboard. It was uh, just fighting, and we ran down Polani, and she was still ahead, and oh, yeah. But last year I came seven. Um, 17 seconds behind Karen Turek and I didn't want to have this again. So I really was working hard and sorry for overtaking so late, but it's, it's at the finish line. It's, uh, well, yeah, I am very proud of that. Congratulations, that's racing. Over to you. Somebody told me that you had a little stumble or a bit of a wobble at the end. Is that right? Was that you coming on to the lead? Uh, I thought I was going to do a Wendy Ingram and Sean Welsh. <laughs> I, uh, okay, I was struggling a lot. I don't even think I was moving very fast forward down down Polani, which is a pretty steep downhill. You looked pretty good going. You went past me on Kilkenny though, and you looked to be moving okay. You were pretty focused, but it didn't seem to be. Uh, <laughs> I was focused just to try and get the one foot in front of the other, and then I had this ridiculous pain in my chest, my side, and it was killing uh, and then I sort of I wanted to look behind to make sure I you know no one was gonna pass and I think they were pretty pretty close behind and so I sort of like just walked for a second because hurting a lot and to just to look behind and then I almost fell over and I'm like geez this isn't good <laughs> and then I uh, like I kept was able to continue to run but I was, I was definitely a little dizzy um, yeah I was fearful that I'd be doing the crawl, the Iron Man crawl. <laughs> <laughs> that was Wendy. <laughs> Thanks, Wendy. Uh, get two million YouTube hits. <laughs> um, next question. <laughs> All right, uh, okay, over okay. here. The separate start, how, how did that go? What were impressions of, of the change up this year, having your own start? I didn't swim great, and I still caught some pro men, so that's not good. Girls who swam better, maybe. 
I was very happy with the five minute, but like we saw, it's still not enough because we caught the guys in the swim, so some of them. So, um, and then we start riding with some guys. So it's, it's a good step in the right direction. But like we saw, it's, um, we have such a good swimmers uh, in the girls' field, so we maybe need 10. Yeah, but it's very happy with them. And it was a bit less, I got less hits. Domestic violence. I mean, I, I, I really think it's a great step in the right direction and, and it's a world championship. We should be racing separate from the men and it's great that um, WTC have... That's good timing on, you know, trying to find your lost phone. I'm so sorry. The... No, no, I'm so sorry. The Mary Miller. Thanks for interrupting our very important press conference. Go ahead. Yeah, what was I saying? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> swim start. I was talking to myself. Swim start. It's only what I do when I Yeah, swim start. No, I, I, I mean, I had a good swim. I, like, Caroline didn't get hit. Um, and it was just, yeah, there was some guys in, the, in, you know, I would say interfering with our race, which isn't always good. Uh, and I think... Uh, we do need a little bit more time. I mean, we didn't really catch them towards till the end of the swim, uh, which surprised me. I, and that's actually a good thing because you know they should swim quicker. But there was yeah. There, I mean, there was probably like six guys that we passed, maybe six to eight. Um, but yeah, we we WTC are listening, and that's great. Don't look at me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. It'd, it'd be nice if there was more time, like 10 minutes. So they're not biking with us. And there was enough time. The age groupers was like 10, oh, 20 yeah. minutes later. Um, All right, do you want to go on to the next question? Anybody who cares to ask about conditions today, how did that affect the race? The island gods were mean. <laughs> 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 how are the conditions? Yeah. I like it hard. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> According to according to Marinda Carfrey, that's my after. <laughs> I think that's an appropriate moment. <laughs> Sonia, do you understand that one? No. <laughs> Where are we going? Yeah, we had heaps of uh, crosswind on the bike um, and a bit of headwind in Harvey. Um, it's all right for me. But yeah, in the, in the run was definitely too hot for me. Was it hot? Hot today. I thought it was hot. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, pretty hot. <laughs> and I got pretty bad sunburn now. I can't, I can't wear my dress tomorrow night. <laughs> 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 Alright, yeah, I'm happy with the race. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was the toughest conditions that we've faced, uh, well, I've faced and I've raced for the last four years. Um, I didn't think it was hot. I thought it was pretty cool, but um, very windy on the bike, certainly. In, the ride up to Harvey was was tough. 
Well, for me, actually, it was perfect <laughs> because it was a slow swim for me, anyway. So, but um, on the bike, the wind um, that really skipped for me because then I can make a little bit ground forward and um, the run. I didn't think that it's very hot, but I like the heat and it can't be hot enough. So it was good today. Yeah, I I thought it was hot and windy and. But it's always hot and windy, so. <laughs> okay, we've got time for uh, maybe one more question before we wrap it up. Bevan? I just suppose maybe, maybe just to share your thoughts on Bevan's performance, maybe all of you today, because it really was pretty special. Maybe just each of you, maybe share what you thought. Yeah, so, so impressive. Um, I just was hoping she wasn't going to catch me on the run. <laughs> I saw her in the energy lab and I was like, she's pretty close. But um, yeah, so so impressive. I mean, I don't think I'll be racing when I'm 45. And I, I I'm just, yeah, I mean, in awe of her and the fact that she's still racing so well and right up there with all the girls. She should have been in Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, oh, I was completely impressed because I thought I would catch her on the bike. But first I thought I would swim with her, what I did last time, but this time I couldn't. Um, and then I, I thought I would catch her on the bike, but um, I couldn't again. And then she was so far ahead and it was so difficult to catch her on the run. She was she was fighting and really running fast out of energy lab up the hill. It was um, amazing. I was dying up there, and I saw her always in the in the same distance. And um, wow, uh, it's just amazing. Natasha Badman's my hero. Um, when I first came to race in the U.S., one of my first 70.3 events was against Natasha. She put about 20 minutes into me on the bike. Um, I raced her twice that year. Two weeks later, I raced, I raced her in Eagleman and I raced her in Buffalo Springs and both races, smiling all day long um, and just killing it. And she was probably 40 at that point and I was, you know, mid-20s. Um, but yeah, I mean, just an impressive human being um, and has so much positive energy and um, I don't know, I just, I just love her. I think she's great. Yeah, me too. She's the real Swiss Miss for me. Um, I met her a couple of times now, and uh, she's really impressive, always smiling and very positive. And uh, I also think she looks so good for doing this sport for 15 years. I mean, I got gray years after 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it's just, it's amazing. I saw her out there in energy life, and it was just like she was smiling. and. Uh, actually, he was cheering for me. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, uh, very impressive. So this is going to make you feel worse, girl. She's actually 47. <laughs> the first thing I asked her when I saw her in drug testing was, how old are you? And she said, 47. I almost fell off my chair, but I couldn't because my legs were too screwed and I couldn't move. But um, that's... That's amazing for a 47-year-old to even just be out, out there racing professionally and then not only professionally, you know, coming in the top 10. It's, and yeah, I mean, earlier this year I raced her in Panama and she like two miles before the end of the bike, she crashed out and 
busted her shoulder up and still finished the race. She's got, she's got some guts and she's a tough woman, but a beautiful person to go with it. Tim, last question. I guess I want to add two other facts. That not only did she crash in that race with you, but four or five years ago, she had a life-threatening, career-threatening, and health-threatening injuries full of metal to put herself back together after that crash. And it took her two or three very difficult years just to be able to swim at all. And then, um, what else? And if you look at her run time this year, I believe it's either her fastest or close to her fastest run ever. So it isn't simply her age, it's all she's been through. I mean, yeah, Natasha's run time today was a 3.09. Um, Sonia actually had the fastest run time today of a 2.59, so um, yeah, it's pretty impressive. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for your attention, and uh, once again, join me in congratulating Mary Beth Ellis, Sonia Kasich, Marinda Carfrey, Caroline Stephan, and your 2012 IMA World Champion, Leander Cage.